0: Are
1: you Well I can't speak for everybody else, but I'm doing okay.
0: Oh good. Enjoying the lovely time of year when summer starts to slip quietly into Autumn. Cooler. A hotter, a cooler. It gets dark a little earlier.
1: Yeah, it sure does. Fall
0: summer. Summer-fall. It's not quite fall-summer yet, but it's thinking about it.
1: We tried out the clam-bake pots today.
0: That was smart, because I had tons of corn. So much corn. Does anybody ever just give you a whole bunch of corn, or is that just me? It's just me.
1: Corn? When did I eat corn? (laughs)
2: That's
1: what I'll be saying tomorrow. There's that, too. But yeah, so we, I got out the, the pots today and made a, a really nice broth to steam everything in, in the lower pot, and then I did some chicken and some chicken sausage in the pot above uh. that with some cabbage and onions, and then I did corn, potatoes, and cabbage on the pot above that, and it uh, came out delicious. And the, the stock is a little salty, but we can water that down.
0: Basically, what Ken did was took all the vegetables in the refrigerator, except for a couple, and threw them right in the pot.
1: I had to do a little bit of prep work.
0: Well, so, yeah. I'm just,
1: I am had to shuck the corn.
0: That's not what I said. I'm just saying, he used the vegetables in the refrigerator.
1: Yep. Yep. I didn't use too much okay. onion. I didn't want it to be too oniony. Hmm. Sometimes too much onion's a bad thing. Sometimes. Gives me gas.
0: Sometimes. But yeah,
1: so uh happy uh well yeah, we're towards the end of uh August here. August uh 19th. That's Great. Right. we have some fun time for go-to-bed action for everybody. Uh chapters seven and eight of Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz. Uh mm-hmm. we are on we have four more episodes after tonight of Wormwood Forest. Uh, just four. Um, we're on to, uh, I think we're on to like episode 20-something of uh, Jerry of the Circus.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And um, we're, uh, we we're edging into a new arc with that. Uh, there was Ooh. an episode about a fella who was sick. Uh, fella? Yeah, I forget what his name was. Um, John something. And uh, we've got a couple new Magic Island episodes from 1936.
0: New from 1936.
1: <laughs> new to you. Yeah. New to they're, me. They're getting closer to the island. They're 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 gonna they're gonna step foot on land soon. Um,
0: and then all the magic is gonna happen, I guess. Uh yeah,
1: yeah. I think there's a, there's some, some craziness. Magic. There's some craziness. And of course oh, we have got a five minute mystery that we'll probably play on a break. So. Yep. 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 5-Minute Mystery Number 6. Um, Alrighty, then. Yeah, so uh, I guess we should, uh, since we seem to do this a lot, we t- we talk about our, our recent eBay sales. Uh, yeah,
0: we got a hashtag reseller. I keep yeah. forgetting to tell you that, so just hashtag it, reseller.
1: Okay. Um, but, yeah, our big uh, surprise, uh, I took a gamble on this, but we in our recent acquisition, we got a... Um, we had several sealed copies of Showgirls and striptease, <laughs> sure. um, but one of the copies of Showgirls wasn't actually a copy of Showgirls at all. But it was an eight-minute sealed teaser tra- teaser uh, 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 tape that was mm-hmm. obviously given by the studio. I think Paramount. Um, uh, yeah, Paramount. And uh, it was it was given to rental stores you know uh, to, to try mm-hmm. and bolster you know uh, home video sales of showgirls and it was sealed and it says on the front eight minute teaser tra- teaser you know tape whatever it was and I took a gamble I didn't I saw one that had sold for $17 unsealed. I put it up for like, uh, 50...
0: 55!
1: 55. 55 or 50, I think it put it up for fifty-nine ninety-nine, and it sold for 55 Yeah. Uh, so... But it
0: was United Artist MGM. Yeah. Oh,
1: MGM, that's right. MGM yeah. always did sleaze I'm looking movies. at it. MGM was 1995. pretty... 1995. Yeah, MGM was pretty well known for doing a lot of sleaze. Um, so... <laughs> you know, you think they're like a highfalutin studio, but they did a lot of garbage... Um, you know, just because that roaring lion that throws you every time, but they did a lot of trash. Um, no
0: stranger to the casting couch there at MGM.
1: No, I guess not. Uh, but yeah, so we we sold uh, sold one of those, uh, sold the only one we had. But yeah, we we've had a lot of other. Uh, bigger, biggish sales, um, on stuff, but you know, I, I've lost bigish.
0: We did Battlestar Galactica. That was fun.
1: Yeah, one a, a single episode of Battlestar Galactica from nineteen seventy nine. Eight 1978 Yep. And uh, then Lo- the Lost Warrior was the name of the episode. I think it was season one, episode four.
0: Yeah, the Lost Warrior. You got it.
1: And um, yeah. So I sold that. You know, I mean, it was sealed course and to Ooh. a repeat customer this there's a guy out there he just keeps buying and buying and buying from us but That's um a nice guy but yeah so in in some uh, we had two really exciting acquisitions um yesterday yeah. uh yep. one out on the far east side and one out on the oh god out in in weirdo country out in the, in the far west side
0: i tell you every city in the united states you go 15 minutes out you're in the country.
1: You're in the deep south. Yeah. Yeah. And uh but the dude is really the first the first woman, it was a smaller acquisition. I think it was like fifty two tapes for twenty dollars. But That's okay. we found a really kind of bizarro thing in there that that actually sells for quite a bit. Uh it's a videotape of Scream with commentary. Yeah, so they, they excited sold excited about that. They sold it, so I guess, you know, trying to appeal to People who were still watching VHS tapes with the features they were putting on DVDs uh, in the early days of DVDs, they were like, "Well, let's let's put out a tape, and you know somebody will want to hear this, sure. you know." And um, so, Wes Craven is that who did the the? Did I movie? think
0: Wes Craven was Scream, yeah. yeah.
1: And um, so yeah, so, the, sale yet. so yeah, so we got that, and that thing sells for like fifty bucks. It's it's silly. Um, but then we went to the, the, the one of the, and there's some other good kind of mainstream horror. So we'll definitely quadruple our money off of that at least. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, there was, uh, the West side stuff. Uh, we've got some really great horror rentals in there. Former, uh, uh, and people love, I don't know if I've, I've probably said this before. People love former rentals, especially horror. Because they like to own a little piece of video store history, and um, I think so. We found a nice uh, former rental of because uh, I mean one of my first big sales was to a guy in England. I sold a uh, a copy of the uh, uh, Evil E.T. movie extra, which was a former rental oh, that yeah. I got for yeah, eighty yeah, yeah. cents in a thrift store, and I sold it for sixty five dollars <laughs> um, to a guy overseas, <laughs> and he paid hand over fist for shipping too. So, um, but. The, that was before
0: uh, we got in the shipping program yeah, with eBay.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Um, no, not MST3 style commentary. MST3K style commentary. No, not that Adam. No. Um. uh But uh, then, uh, we so but we found a, a former rental of Carrie, which is just gorgeous because it's got all the stickers. The be kind rewind. Yeah. Got the little horror sticker on the edge. It's you know. Uh, just a little beat up, just just enough beat up that it makes it look appealing. People like that old beat up look. You know, they split the boxes, they put them in clamshells, slapped the stickers on them, the store sticker, the be kind rewind, all that. And
3: yeah, then cool. um,
1: we got a really great rental copy of Willard as well, and we also uh, I
0: have, I remember those movies. Yeah, I remember Willard and Ben.
1: Yeah, and we got Ben as well, but Ben is just in the regular cardboard box. I put it out in the garage because...
0: I think Ben too... was the first song I ever heard by the Jackson 5 or Michael Jackson.
1: Mm. Oh, I remember
0: thinking it's this like,
1: that's so that nice, was... he wrote
0: a song for a rat. Yeah, know? that
1: was just Michael Jackson solo. Um, yeah. So... But uh yeah those movies are creepy af. I I just watched the <laughs> I was testing them last night and I I got hooked watching Willard and I watched like 10 minutes of it. And I was like, yeah, I remember this. It's awful. It's awful. But man, whoever the animal handler was and uh for for the rats in that did a great job. Ah. Um you know, I mean because you know in the in the you know, I mean the the rat was trained pretty well. Um cuz it would just stare at him. It was good. But <laughs> But yeah, so uh, they are the they are the originals, Adam. I think the Crispin Glover one came out after VHS. um,
0: Yeah, I never watched that one. These are the original ones from way back seventies, maybe sixties. I don't know.
1: But yeah, so we found a lot. I never
0: heard of the Crispin Glover ones actually.
1: And we found some. We found some the that lot from the West Side. We found you know there was some other good horror stuff in there. Of course, Night of the Living Dead. Nice copy of it, though. It, it has a really cool box because there's like 8 million versions of Night of the Living Dead on VHS because it's public domain. Um, sure. George Romero didn't secure the rights on that, and so anybody no. could make a copy of it. So I didn't
0: know that. Wow. Interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. So um but uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, so we found some really cool stuff. And um, yeah, Foxfire says kiddo's been busy. Uh, with gritted teeth.
0: Yay!
1: <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. You never
0: what. know what kiddo's been up to. You yeah. never know.
1: You do know. You don't. And we have a couple short. Apparently,
0: chapters. apparently, he's been riding in cars with boys because there was a whole bunch of babies. That was <laughs> quick. Uh, I didn't even know he had a girlfriend. I mean, uh
1: Well. Babies.
0: maybe he was babysitting maybe those maybe, weren't his kiddos
1: maybe he just doesn't he just split off from himself or something doesn't he, uh... I don't
0: oh you think he he uh multiplies asexually yeah maybe something
1: like that so, maybe um anyway so yeah so uh uh I guess we should probably get to Dorothy and the wizard we're on chapters seven and eight they're both kind of short all right so Good. uh let's uh let's check in. And see, uh, there were some threats, some death threats in the last one for all the animals.
0: Oh, no. Okay, terrible.
1: let's go. Throw them in the Black Pit or whatever that was. That was awful. Here we go.
3: Chapter 7 of Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz by L. Frank Baum. This labor box recording is in the public domain. Into the Black Pit and out again. When they came to the mountain, it proved to be a rugged, towering chunk of deep green glass and looked dismal and forbidding in the extreme. Halfway up the steep was a yawning cave, black as night beyond the point where the rainbow rays of the colored suns reached into it. The mangaboos drove the horse and the kitten and the piglets into this dark hole. And then, having pushed the buggy in after them, for it seemed some of them had dragged it all the way from the domed hall, they began to pile big glass rocks within the entrance so that the prisoners could not get out again. "'This is dreadful,' groaned Jim. "'It will be the end of our adventures, I guess.' "'If the wizard was here,' said one of the piglets, sobbing bitterly, "'he would not see us suffer so.' "'We ought to have called him and Dorothy when we were first attacked,' added Eureka. "'But never mind, be brave, my friends, and I will go and tell our masters where you are "'and get them to come to your rescue.' The mouth of the hole was nearly filled up now, but the kitten gave a leap through the remaining opening and at once scampered up into the air. The mangaboos saw her escape, and several of them caught up their thorns and gave chase— mounting through the air after her. Eureka, however, was lighter than the mangaboos, and while they could mount only about a hundred feet above the earth, the kitten found she could go nearly two hundred feet. So she ran along over their heads until she had left them far behind and below and had come to the city and the house of the sorcerer. There she entered in at Dorothy's window in the dome and aroused her from her sleep. As soon as the little girl knew what had happened, she awakened the wizard and Zeb, and at once preparations were made to go to the rescue of Jim and the piglets. The wizard carried his satchel, which was quite heavy, and Zeb carried the two lanterns and the oil can. Dorothy's wicker suitcase was still under the seat of the buggy, and by good fortune the boy had also placed the harness in the buggy when he had taken it off of Jim to let the horse lie down and rest. So there was nothing for the girl to carry but the kitten, which she held close to her bosom and tried to comfort, for its little heart was still beating rapidly. Some of the mangaboos discovered them as soon as they left the house of the sorcerer, but when they started toward the mountain the vegetable people allowed them to proceed without interference, yet followed in a crowd behind them, so that they could not go back again. Before long they neared the black pit, where a busy swarm of mangaboos, headed by their princess, was engaged in piling up glass rocks before the entrance. "'Stop, I command you!' cried the wizard in an angry tone, and at once began pulling down the rocks to liberate Jim and the piglets. Instead of opposing him in this, they stood back in silence, until he had made a good-sized hole in the barrier when, by order of the princess, they all sprang forward and thrust out their sharp thorns. Dorothy hopped inside the opening to escape being pricked, and Zeb and the wizard, after enduring a few stabs from the thorns, were glad to follow her. At once the mangaboos began piling up the rocks of glass again, and as the little man realized that they were all about to be entombed in the mountain, he said to the children, "'My dears, what shall we do, jump out and fight?' "'What's the use?' replied Dorothy. "'I'd as soon die here, as live much longer among those cruel and heartless people.' "'That's the way I feel about it,' remarked Zeb, rubbing his wounds. "'I've had enough of the mangaboos.' "'All right,' said the wizard, "'I'm with you, whatever you decide. "'But we can't live long in this cavern, that's certain.' Noticing that the light was growing dim, he picked up his nine piglets, patted each one lovingly on its fat little head, and placed them carefully in his inside pocket. Zeb struck a match and lighted one of the lanterns. The rays of the colored suns were now shut out from them forever, for the last chinks had been filled up in the wall that separated their prison from the land of the Mangaboos. How big is this hole? asked Dorothy. I'll explore it and see, replied the boy. So he carried the lantern back for quite a distance, while Dorothy and the wizard followed at his side. The cavern did not come to an end as they had expected it would, but slanted upward through the great glass mountain, running in a direction that promised to lead them to the side opposite the Mangaboo country. It isn't a bad road, observed the wizard. And if we followed it, it might lead us to some place that is more comfortable than this black pocket we are now in. I suppose the vegetable folk were always afraid to enter this cavern because it is dark. But we have our lanterns to light the way, so I propose that we start out and discover where this tunnel in the mountain leads to. The others agreed readily to this sensible suggestion, and at once the boy began to harness Jim to the buggy. When all was in readiness, the three took their seats in the buggy and Jim started cautiously along the way, Zeb driving while the wizard and Dorothy held each a lighted lantern so the horse could see where to go. Sometimes the tunnel was so narrow that the wheels of the buggy grazed the sides, then it would broaden out as wide as the street, but the floor was usually smooth, and for a long time they traveled on without any accident. "'Jim stopped sometimes to rest, "'for the climb was rather steep and tiresome. "'We must be nearly as high "'as the six-colored suns by this time,' said Dorothy. "'I didn't know this mountain was so tall. "'We are certainly a good distance away "'from the land of the Mangaboos,' added Zeb, "'for we have slanted away from it ever since we started. "'But they kept on steadily moving, "'and as Jim was about tired out with his long journey,' The way suddenly grew lighter, and Zeb put out the lanterns to save the oil. To their joy they found it was a white light that now greeted them, for all were weary of the colored rainbow lights which, after a time, had made their eyes ache with their constantly shifting rays. The sides of the tunnel showed before them like the inside of a long spyglass, and the floor became more level. Jim hastened his lagging steps at this assurance of a quick relief from the dark passage, and in a few moments more they had emerged from the mountain and found themselves face to face with a new and charming country. End of chapter 7.
1: Well, that one was quick. A new and charming country. You there?
0: It really was quick. And I was getting my chair fixed up while
1: oh, okay. I was
0: listening to the new and charming country. But it uh,
1: no, okay. sounds like
0: we're on to a new people.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the you know uh, everybody's mutual hatred for the mangaboos is appreciated uh, here because they well, they're, they're horrible.
0: They might be horrible, but I bet they're delicious in a pot.
1: I yeah. put down. I bet Steema. they would be great
0: in a vegetable steam.
1: Yeah, just steam the steam the hell out of them until they stop moving. Yeah, <laughs> kill them and before screaming. they kill them before they. might they, stop
0: screaming.
1: Kill them before they lay eggs. Um yeah. So, uh, but no, so so the well, you know, they they uh, they did not die in the pit. That is good, because that chapter yeah. was uh, that was called uh, into the black pit and out or something, and uh, out along those lines. Done with um, it.
0: Going on to the next pit.
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was called, uh, uh, seriously. Why does it have the title there? Um, anyway.
0: It was seven, right?
1: Yeah, that was chapter seven, so, yeah. So, anyway, uh, so they, they get, they're out of the pit. They're out of the Sarlacc pit, Star Wars reference. Um,
0: Ooh. oh, kiddo! There he is.
1: Oh, we got he's a kiddo teaser. Something. I'm looking forward kiddo to teaser. that. Kiddo teaser. So, uh, he's biting a
0: ribbon. Maybe it's a ribbon.
1: P- could it's be. Hard to tell. Could be. So, um but uh anyway, alright. Well I guess we should uh, we should roll along and get to uh chapter eight. What do you say? Let's do it. Alright, here we go.
3: Chapter eight of Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Valley of Voices By journeying through the glass mountain they had reached a delightful valley that was shaped like the hollow of a great cup, with another rugged mountain showing on the other side of it, and soft, pretty green hills at the ends. It was all laid out into lovely lawns and gardens with pebble paths leading through them and groves of beautiful and stately trees dotting the landscape here and there. There were orchards, too, bearing luscious fruits that are all unknown to our world. Alluring brooks of crystal water flowed sparkling between their flower-strewn banks, while scattered over the valley were dozens of the quaintest and most picturesque cottages our travelers had ever beheld. None of them were in clusters such as villages or towns, but each had ample grounds of its own, with orchards and gardens surrounding it. As the new arrivals gazed upon this exquisite scene, They were enraptured by its beauties and the fragrance that permeated the soft air which they breathed so gratefully after the confined atmosphere of the tunnel. Several minutes were consumed in silent admiration before they noticed two very singular and unusual facts about this valley. One was that it was lighted from some unseen source, for no sun or moon was in the arched blue sky although every object was flooded with a clear and perfect light. The second and even more singular fact was the absence of any inhabitant of this splendid place. From their elevated position they could overlook the entire valley, but not a single moving object could they see. All appeared mysteriously deserted. The mountain on this side was not glass, but made of stone similar to granite, with some difficulty and danger, "'Jim drew the buggy over the loose rocks "'until he reached the green lawns below "'where the paths and orchards and gardens began. "'The nearest cottage was still some distance away. "'Isn't it fine?' cried Dorothy in a joyous voice "'as she sprang out of the buggy "'and let Eureka run frolicking over the velvety grass. "'Yes, indeed,' answered Zeb. "'We were lucky to get away from those dreadful vegetable people.' It wouldn't be so bad, remarked the wizard, gazing around him, if we were obliged to live here always. We couldn't find a prettier place, I'm sure. He took the piglets from his pocket and let them run on the grass, and Jim tasted a mouthful of the green blades and declared he was very contented in his new surroundings. We can't walk in the air here, though, called Eureka, who had tried it and failed, But the others were satisfied to walk on the ground, and the wizard said they must be nearer the surface of the earth than they had been in the Mangaboo country, for everything was more homelike and natural. But where are the people? asked Dorothy. The little man shook his bald head. Can't imagine, my dear, he replied. They heard the sudden twittering of a bird, but could not find the creature anywhere. Slowly they walked along the path toward the nearest cottage, the piglets racing and gambling beside them, and Jim pausing at every step for another mouthful of grass. Presently they came to a low plant, which had broad spreading leaves, in the center of which grew a single fruit about as large as a peach. The fruit was so daintily colored and so fragrant, and looked so appetizing and delicious, that Dorothy stopped and exclaimed, What is this, do you suppose? The piglets had smelled the fruit quickly, and before the girl could reach out her hand to pluck it, every one of the nine tiny ones had rushed in and commenced to devour it with great eagerness. "'It's good, anyway,' said Zeb, or those little rascals wouldn't have gobbled it up so greedily. "'Where are they?' asked Dorothy in astonishment. "'They all looked around, but the piglets had disappeared. "'Dear me!' cried the wizard. "'They must have run away.' "'But I didn't see them go, did you?' "'No,' replied the boy and the girl together. "'Here, picky, piggy, piggy!" called their master anxiously. Several squeals and grunts were instantly heard at his feet, but the wizard could not discover a single piglet. "'Where are you?' he asked. "'Why, right beside you,' spoke a tiny voice. "'Can't you see us?' "'No,' answered the little man in a puzzled tone. "'We can see you.' said another piglet. The wizard stooped down and put out his hand, and at once felt the small, fat body of one of his pets. He picked it up, but could not see what he held. It is very strange, said he soberly. The piglets have become invisible in some curious way. I'll bet it's because they ate that peach, cried the kitten. It wasn't a peach, Eureka, said Dorothy. I only hope it wasn't poison. It was fine, Dorothy, called one of the piglets. We'll eat all we can find of them, said another. But we mustn't eat them, the wizard warned the children, or we too may become invisible and lose each other. If we come across another of the strange fruit, we must avoid it. Calling the piglets to him, he picked them all up one by one, and put them away in his pocket, for although he could not see them, he could feel them, and when he had buttoned his coat, he knew they were safe for the present. The travelers now resumed their walk toward the cottage which they presently reached. It was a pretty place, with vines growing thickly over the broad front porch. The door stood open, and a table was set in the front room, with four chairs drawn up to it. On the table were plates and knives and forks and dishes of bread, meat, and fruits. The meat was smoking hot, and the knives and forks were performing strange antics and jumping here and there in quite a puzzling way. But not a single person appeared to be in the room. How funny! exclaimed Dorothy, who, with Zeb and the wizard, now stood in the doorway. A peal of merry laughter answered her, and the knives and forks fell to the plates with a clatter. One of the chairs pushed back from the table, and this was so astonishing and mysterious that Dorothy was almost tempted to run away in fright. "'Here are strangers, Mama,' cried the shrill and childish voice of some unseen person. "'So I see, my dear,' answered another voice, soft and womanly. "'What do you want?' demanded a third voice, in a stern, gruff accent. "'Well, well,' said the wizard. "'Are there really people in this room?' "'Of course,' answered the man's voice. "'And, pardon me for the foolish question, but are you all invisible?' "'Surely,' the woman answered.' repeating her low, rippling laughter. Are you surprised that you are unable to see the people of Vaux? Why, yes, stammered the wizard. All the people I have ever met before were very plain to see. Where do you come from, then? asked the woman in a curious tone. We belong upon the face of the earth, explained the wizard. But recently, during an earthquake, we fell down a crack and landed in the country of the Mangaboos. "'Dreadful creatures!' exclaimed the woman's voice. "'I've heard of them.' "'They walled us up in a mountain,' continued the wizard. "'But we found there was a tunnel through to this side, so we came here. "'It is a beautiful place. "'What do you call it?' "'It is the Valley of Vaux.' "'Thank you. "'We have seen no people since we arrived, "'so we came to this house to inquire our way.' "'Are you hungry?' asked the woman's voice. "'I could eat something,' said Dorothy.' "'So could I,' added Zeb. "'But we do not wish to intrude, I assure you,' the wizard hastened to say. "'That's all right,' returned the man's voice more pleasantly than before. "'You are welcome to what we have.' As he spoke, the voice came so near to Zeb that he jumped back in alarm. Two childish voices laughed merrily at this action, and Dorothy was sure they were in no danger among such light-hearted folks, even if those folks couldn't be seen. "'What curious animal is that which is eating the grass on my lawn?' inquired the man's voice. "'That's Jim,' said the girl. "'He's a horse.' "'What's he good for?' was the next question. "'He draws the buggy you see fastened to him, and we ride in the buggy instead of walking,' she explained. "'Can he fight?' asked the man's voice. "'No, he can kick pretty hard with his heels.' "'and bite a little, but Jim can't exactly fight,' she replied. "'Then the bears will get him,' said one of the children's voices. "'Bears!' exclaimed Dorothy. "'Are there bears here?' "'This is the one evil of our country,' answered the invisible man. "'Many large and fierce bears roam in the Valley of Vaux, "'and when they catch any of us they eat us up, "'but as they cannot see us we seldom get caught.' "'Are the bears invisible too?' asked the girl." Yes, for they eat of the dama fruit as we all do, and that keeps them from being seen by any eye, whether human or animal. Does the dama fruit grow in a low bush and look something like a peach? asked the wizard. Yes, was the reply. If it makes you invisible, why do you eat it? Dorothy inquired. For two reasons, my dear, the woman's voice answered. The dama fruit is the most delicious thing that grows— and when it makes us invisible, the bears cannot find us to eat us up. But now, good wanderers, your luncheon is on the table, so please sit down and eat as much as you like. End of chapter eight.
1: Well, these are, these are lightning fast chapters, aren't they?
2: Well, lightning
0: fast, two chapters and it's only 7.30, 15 chap, 15 minute chapters.
1: Yeah, well, one was only eight.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> Who eight, knew? Eight and... Uh, t- it was seven minutes 32 and 1026. Wow. Um, yeah. Jim, he can't necessarily fight, but he can kick pretty hard.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> I would imagine being kicked by a horse would be no joke.
1: Oh, it it is no joke. I, thankfully, never was kicked by a horse. Dad was a long time ago. Uh, Got a couple broken ribs out of it. So,
0: yeah. uh, Wow.
1: Yeah. So, jeez. Yeah, no, no. This is, I, I posted a GIF in our chat for all of our podcast listeners of a guy trying to mount a horse in the most ridiculous way possible, bareback. And he just looks like a dude, bro. And this horse is like, oh, hell no. And kicks him about, oh, I don't know, five feet in the air and, you know. Ten feet away. It looks like a
0: lady in a skirt. What are you saying with a ponytail?
1: Oh, that's a guy. That's a dude in a pair of shorts with a hoodie. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And he crumples when that horse kicks him, man. Yeah, that looks don't... painful. Well, I mean, if, if you think about, I mean, horses are all muscle. You don't see fat horses, you know. No.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, just skinny ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, muscular ones. They are muscly, muscly animals. And, you know, there's a Mm -hmm. reason why they're used to pull carts and, uh, you know, uh, and used for, you know, speed riding. um, And, you know, things like dressage and things that they can leap and bound. I mean, think about, you know, think about uh, uh, how much um, a horse weighs And how Mm -hmm. it will, you know, jump, like, you know, uh, just, I mean, how much muscle it takes to propel that kind of weight. So, if you think about that, um, yeah, yeah, you could uh, easily uh, get kicked in the head and killed by a horse. Um, You think
0: it would be called a workhorse because it's so muscly? Well, so, I
1: mean, there are more muscular horses than others. Obviously, dressage horses. Horses. I mean, I'm speaking out of turn here. Foxfire could probably explain this a lot better, but I think dressage horses are more slender horses. But then there's like Clydesdales that are work horses that are, you know, bred work to be horses. super, super muscly to to haul, yeah. haul more. But you know, aren't necessarily going to be jumping, you know, sure. uh, in a in an event. So, um, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, but yeah, Jim, you know I wouldn't want to fight a horse. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't uh,
2: fight a horse.
1: But we're gonna see what's going on. Uh, we're gonna see what's going on uh, next week. Uh, you said this was the land of of or vo vo.
0: Vo the the valley of vo.
1: Valley of voices.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: Well, I think that's. I what, just. What chapter I just saw, was heard
0: him say it really quick and wrote it down so we wouldn't yeah. forget.
1: So, but, uh, anyway, well, Foxfire is given some horses. She's going to tell us how horses work. Hmm. <laughs> so she's going to tell us like how horses horse. work. Um, I would like to
0: ride a horse one day again. Horses are great.
1: Horses are such I've... soulful animals. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I know people like dogs and everything, but, I, uh, you know, you know, I have nothing against dogs, but I mean, connecting with a horse is something. It just, it is, it is pure magic. Uh, except for that pony that hated me, that I owned, <laughs> so, uh, uh, that I got roped into buying, I was the one that got roped in. Aren't you supposed to rope horses? Um, so you're supposed to rope cat cattle. No. So, um, but anyway, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we'll find out what Foxfire says about uh, hosses. Uh, but I think we should uh, probably run to uh, Wormwood Forest. Uh, Let's right do it. now. And uh savor the Wormwood Forest, folks. We only have four more episodes and then we're gonna try and find something to take its place. Um and then, you know, maybe maybe next year we'll revisit Wormwood Forest and uh mm. um, we'll do a movie cut.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, uh here we go. Off to Wormwood Forest, cue up the crappy rooster.
4: Hi, <laughs> oh, another day in Wormwood Forest.
1: Hello, boys
5: and girls. Once again, it's time for another visit with our friends down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, don't run away. Listen to why you want to stay. There's
4: always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Hello everybody. This is Dippy Dwarf. Today Fanky Frog is approached by a fox in regard to a new career. So don't leave your radio. Listen to our
6: animal show. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest.
7: Ah, the sound of the cash register is music to my ears.
8: Who is tampering with my cash register?
7: It's only I, Swindler Q. Fox.
8: Well, this is only our barbecue pig telling you leave that cash register alone.
7: But pig, I thought I was supposed to handle your money matters.
8: Only on paper, and I don't mean paper money.
7: But barbecue pig, how can I carry on without money?
8: I dare say you'll carry on, all right, but I'm not giving you an opportunity to carry off.
7: Big, your lack of confidence in me hurts me to the quick.
8: You'd better be quick about getting your paws out of that cash register. Oh, horrors! it's time for my mood bath.
7: Nah, me. The cash register is empty. She keeps her money in the safe. And well, I think I shall take the morning paper out to the terrace and read a while. <laughs> The sunshine's quite warm. I'll sit here and read the sports news. <laughs> well, wow! Well, but
9: doesn't Swedler kill Fox?
7: Ah, good morning, General Grasshopper. Mind if I read the paper Barbecue over pig? your furry
9: shoulder? What Not happened? at all, General.
7: How's is the your racket, Fox?
0: Cause Not good.
7: The pig refuses to let me get oh, near goodness. the cage. You can make money these days without Swindler. Oh, Look at that article Barbecue there, pig. Fox. Oh, wrestling is the big money-making game these days. All anyway, you have to be more a wrestler some, uh, and be his business here. manager. Great, Papa. I'm just wrestle? going
5: to... Will uh, they? Oh, oh, I speak, should speak. say that. Like I'm crazy? The, the because uh, I'm not mm. sure. You see, Fox, What happened maybe something what cut it cut used to
7: Something
5: cut off? These days, hit it's a big show. Wrestler has we'll to be a big
4: show-off.
7: Show-off is... Oh, him? it's back. Like the frog? Yep, like the frog. The frog? Frankie Frog. Why wouldn't he make a good wrestler? No muscles. Oh, that doesn't matter. We can deal muscles. Ah, he's just the one. I'd appreciate
5: it, Fox, if you wouldn't tell him that I suggested him.
7: Why not, Grace Hopper?
5: Well, if he becomes a wrestler and doesn't like it, he might get a hammerlock hold
9: on me, and then I couldn't chew my tobacco.
7: Becky Frog. That's my proposition. Yeah, now I can.
6: I texted
0: you I'm that I can. sure that no.
6: I want to become a wrestler. Why not? Well, Ooh. I don't think kitty would like me with cauliflower ears.
7: <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Frogs haven't any ears. Hey,
6: that's right. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do, like you I'm listening. I'll see what kitty baby thinks about the idea, and then I'll give you my answer.
7: Your answer must be in the affirmative. Yeah, better than that. It'll be in the afternoon. <laughs> You'll find me at the cricket's heart, Frankie.
6: Yeah, so long, Fox. You know, up the stairs. And down the hall to Kitty's room.
7: The
6: pretty cat is like a melody.
8: Oh, it's you, dream frog.
6: Hiya, Kitty Baby. Gosh, you certainly look lovely in that big pink bowl.
8: I always look lovely. I'm just naturally beautiful. Is that all? No, I'm not only beautiful, I'm smart. I have brains. Yeah,
6: then you're just the kitty I want to talk to.
8: Come inside and sit on the love seat.
6: Uh, beside you?
8: Yes, right here.
6: Good gee whiz, kitty. I took one look at you, that's all I had to do, and then my heart stood still. Though not a single word was spoken, I could tell you knew, that unfelt clasp of hands told me how well you knew. I never lived at all Until the thrill of that moment When my heart stood still My kitty baby That moment when my heart stood still
8: Oh, Frankie, when you sing to me I feel weak in my furry knees.
6: I like for you to be weak and feminine, Kittykins.
8: And I like for you to be big and strong, Frog. Hey, you
6: do? Then you don't care if I become a wrestler?
8: A wrestler? Who said anything about wrestling? the fox.
6: He wants me to become a wrestler.
8: You a wrestler of all the wild ideas? Round wrestler with a broken nose and cracked ribs of all the silly things. Now, Kitty, don't get upset. there.
6: Kitty, hey, don't start that. I'll
8: start what I like. Now yeah, you be careful with the curtains. Who cares about curtains?
6: Oh, please, Kitty, careful with those claws. I'll do
8: what I please with my claws. But, but,
6: but, Kitty, you're ripping the room apart. I
8: feel like ripping you apart. Become a wrestler. <laughs> but, 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 Kitty,
6: think of all the money I'd make.
8: What did you say?
6: Uh, well, first take your claws out of the slipcover, Kitty.
8: They're out. Now, say that again.
6: Yeah, I said think of all the money you'd I'd, I'd make.
8: That's what I thought you said.
6: Then you don't mind if I become a wrestler?
8: Would you buy me expensive gifts?
6: Well, nothing is too good for my kitty, baby.
8: You said
6: it. Thanks for your consent, kitty.
8: Where are you going?
6: To tell the fox.
8: Not Swindler Q. Fox.
6: Yep, he's gonna be my business manager.
8: I didly dee, The
6: rest is life for me. A satin robe and a pair of tights, a jewel belt, and I'll win the fight.
2: I didly dee.
6: I made up my green hair to become a wrestler.
7: Splendid, Frog. Splendid. <laughs> now you must start training at once. Do I have to, have to, have to train, Fox? But of course. You may work out at the Y-A-A-A in Hazelnut Hollow. Uh, the Y-A-A-A?
6: Uh, oh, of course, that's the Young Animals Athletic Association. Oh, boy. Just to think, I'm going to become a wrestler.
8: I can hardly wait to tell Susie Skunk about this. Imagine my frog becoming a wrestler. If you're working your way through dairy school by selling margarine, I don't... Oh, hello, Kitty. Hello, Susie Skunk. Do come in, Kitty. Don't mind if I do. Pay no attention to the oil mop. It's unimportant. (coughs) Sue, wait, I tell you the news. Oh, has someone robbed the pig? Did someone get married? No, Frankie Frog is going to become a wrestler. No. Yes. But he'll become awfully strong, Kitty. Why, he'll throw you around like a dandelion. Not this, Kitty. I'm going to train, too. Where are you training to? Oh, I love
4: train trips.
8: The puff puff of the big choo-choo. Susie, I'm going to train to become strong, build muscles. Oh, train rides are much more fun, Kitty. Susie, I want to borrow your gym suit. My gym suit? Well, it's probably in my purse. Now, where did I put my purse? Under the scatter rug. No. Oh, I remember. I put it in the bed. Your purse in the bed? Well, someone said it looked old enough to retire. Oh, here it is under the blanket. See if your gym suit's in it.
2: Yes, ma'am.
8: Hmm. A jar of prickly pear pickles, powder puffs, a portable mugwump. Now, what's a mugwump? That's a good question. Now, let me see. A dustpan, a pair of antique iron trivets, Oh, my salad fork. Hmm, encyclopedias. Encyclopedias? Only half a set. Oh. oh. Here's my gym suit. It's so sweet of you to let me borrow it, Susie Skunk. Oh, think nothing of it, Kitty. Don't you like gym anymore? Oh, gracious, no. I haven't dated gym since I met my woodchucky. <laughs>
4: Are you ready to start your barbell exercises, Frankie?
6: Yeah, I guess so, Dippy. <coughs> Gee, it's nice of you to come all the way to Hazelnut Hollow to help me, Dwarf.
4: And if you're going to train, Frog, I want you to train correctly.
6: Yeah, yeah what do I do first? Well,
4: let me have a look at these instructions. Yeah, what a
6: gymnasium. Instructor goes out to lunch at 12 o'clock.
4: And well, even instructors have to eat. Oh, but we can follow these instructions, Frankie. Uh, first, you do a deadlift, stiff legs.
6: Dead? Stiff? Oh, boy, this is going to kill me.
4: Pick up that barbell, folks.
6: Okay, okay. Don't hit me with it.
4: You ready? Inhale as you go up. Okay. And exhale as you come down. (laughs) See? It's not hard to
6: do. Yeah, I should say not. It's easy as pie. I feel myself growing stronger already. No!
4: Get up off the floor. You've got exercises to do. Yep. Uh, Uh, First, the military press. uh, The deep knee bends. uh, The two-arm pullover. uh, The prawn press. uh, Increase the weight, Uh, bro. The curl. waves. Increase uh, the weight. uh, Sit up. shoulder shrugs.
6: Increase the weight. uh, 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 Oh, boy. Uh, That feel is strong as an ox.
4: Uh, We'll see about that. Oh, Ox, come over here a minute, Ox. Uh, uh, what you want, dwarf? We want to see if this frog is as strong as an ox. He's a rope. You hold this end, Ox. Okay.
6: Yeah, and I'll hold this end.
4: Now for the tug-of-war. Start pulling. <laughs> <laughs> Watch
6: yourself, Ox. I'm going to give this rope a big jerk, and, and here you go. Oh, you pull me down. <laughs> I told you I was strong as an ox. I'm even stronger.
7: Oh, you're a big bully, you, are. You're nothing but a bully, Frog. I want my mama. I want my mama.
6: Hey, this barbell training has worked wonders with me, Dippy.
4: Hey, me, hey.
8: <laughs> Where's the trainer? Oh, hello, Frankie, Gizzy. Yeah. Hi, you kiddigans. Hey, what
4: brings you over to the gym, Kitty?
8: I came over to get strong. I didn't know you two would be here.
6: Yeah, I've been here training, building strong muscles. Here, Kitty, catch this 200-pound weight. Gee, I guess I don't know my own strength.
8: Hey, Kitty, are your ribs really crushed? I don't feel any pain.
6: Well, then what did I crush?
8: Well, let me look. I have this gym suit here all rolled up. Oh, look, Susie left this stick of peppermint candy in it.
6: It used to be a peppermint stick, and now it splinters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's delicious. Mm-hmm.
8: Frankie, if you're that strong, I'll just have to trust you not to be too rough with me. I'm
6: fragile. (laughs) You're pretty, too.
4: Oh, mercy me, such mush. He done clucked a woodchuck. I know, folks. Don't you realize a gymnasium is no place for sweet words of devotion? I didn't know it was a place for a woodchuck. Please, let's not be frontiers. I'm here on business.
6: Then state your business, friend. We'll listen.
4: Well, my little old car is waiting outside to take all of you back to the Dwarf Waldorf. Uh, why the rush, Dumplug? Well, the fox is waiting there with a the contract for the frog to sign. And he wants all of you as witnesses. Shall we go? <laughs> dwarf Waldorf! All out. Well, I'll go in and see about supper. I think the rest of you will be enough witnesses. Uh, come on, woodchuck. Aren't you going to get out? Oh, mercy me, no. I'm going to finish my ride with my sweetie Sue. You can go get her later, dumbcluck. Well, I don't have to get her. She's already in the car with me. Where?
8: Here I am in the glove compartment. Susie, what are you doing in there with the gloves? Well, I like to be near at hand. Oh, you're so clever, Sue. And you're so handsome, Chuckie. And I'm
6: leaving. Now, yeah, where is it?
7: Oh, there you are, Swindler Q. Fox. Nah, glad to see you, Frog.
6: Uh, what's this thing about a contract or something?
7: I have it here. Just sign on the dotted line.
6: Uh, what do I sign? Frankie Frog
7: or Franklin Frog or... Hey, wait. What? I have a new name for you, Frog.
8: A new name? I like Frankie better than any new name.
7: But if you are to be a successful wrestler these days, you must have a colorful name, a name that will attract the paying customers. You mean I can't make money
6: without a different name?
7: Of course not.
8: Then you'll take the new name, Frog.
7: Yeah, sure I will. Good. Sign your new name here. Gorgeous, Frog. Gorgeous,
6: Frog. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Gorgeous, Frog. <laughs>
5: With a name like Gorgeous Frog, how can Frankie help but become the champion wrestler down in Wormwood Forest?
6: Hey, hey, that's all today. We're so glad
4: that you could stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood farmers. Next time, Frankie, uh, pardon, gorgeous frog, meets his first opponent. Till then, this is Dippy Dwarf saying so long.
6: Remember next Saturday. Listen to our animal play. There's always
4: lots of
7: fun down in Wormwood Forest.
5: Wormwood Forest, written by Tom Tichner, has come to you from WSM in Nashville, Tennessee. This is NBC, the National
1: Broadcasting Company. Yeah, uh, you know. Oh. <laughs> I uh, I thought I was playing the same episode again for a second, because I was like, wait a minute, he's working out again? Doing weightlifting? Yeah. So I realized... It's always when...
0: miserable for him, he hates it.
1: Yeah. But now he's he's going to be, uh you know, Gorgeous Frog. Gorgeous Frog. Is gorgeous
0: frog. So he's
1: gonna, the wrestler. Uh, yeah.
0: I don't know, I looked up Hazelnut Hollow to see if there was a news story. I didn't see anything on the internet archives, so... Oh well
1: Yeah, we'll uh let's,
0: let's enjoy Wormwood Forest while we can.
1: Yeah, so I can't wait. We're gonna have some wrestling action uh <laughs> coming up. So We've got
0: some wrestling action on our eBay store too, so
1: uh yeah, we have uh, uh some uh China, divas. china workout uh videos yeah. and uh yeah w w f before they got sued uh by the world wildlife foundation wwF <laughs> uh divas in hedonism some bikini thing and um the the names of the divas are kind of hilarious because it's like toya Taya, you know hey. <laughs> and choo, then choo. jacqueline <laughs> Jacqueline, Avery, um, yeah, Avery, yeah. It's it's silly, um. But uh, but yeah. So there you go. Go buy yourself some WWE sealed VHS tapes from Booty's. Yeah. Boutique. Um, in celebration of Gorgeous Frog, as opposed to Gorgeous George. Um,
0: yeah, Gorgeous and, George was a real wrestler name, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds so.
0: familiar for someone like me that. Knows nothing about wrestling.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh that's that's too old timey for, for gifs. There's no gif of gorgeous George. There so,
0: really isn't gonna be.
1: No. I so. get it. But uh anyway, alright, let's let's see what time. Is. Well, I guess uh it's time we should uh play our five minute mystery for tonight and then uh Ooh. Reset for hour two. Let's do it. Alright, here we go. This is uh murder on Diamond Uh Diamond Roaka oh, What? I don't know. Murder in Blue? I don't know what it is. Uh, the the title for t- the, the titles they put on these things are ridiculous. Anyway, five minute mystery. Another
10: five minute mystery. service. Jim Martin speaking. Hello.
11: Hello, Martin. I can't hear you at all, so
12: get this straight. What? This is the Cass secretary to Joe Girard, the diamond merchant. They killed him, and I'm bound hand and
10: foot. Go on, go on. I'm listening.
12: I I heard you say something, but I can't make out what it was. I I managed to push the receiver off with my chin, but I can't hold it to my ear.
10: Go ahead. I understand. You
12: know the address. Forty-five Fulton Place. Bring the police. I'll try to get free.
10: We'll be there right away. Goodbye.
12: Thank heavens you're here, Mister Martin.
10: And uh, this is Lieutenant Garfield of the police. How do you do, Miss Cass? Uh, Jim, do you want to go look at the body? And uh, let's get the story first. I couldn't get much on the phone. Tell us what happened, Miss Cass.
12: I will in a minute. I'm a little shaken. I just managed to get the rope
10: off. Oh, please, Miss Cass. Uh, time is very important,
12: Mister Garfield. I I knew it would happen. Why? Well, he always carried a packet of diamonds in the inside pocket of his jacket.
10: Did they take it? Yes. When did it happen?
12: About eight. Mister Gerard asked me to work late tonight. He was dictating a letter when. I hardly dare to think of it.
10: Go on,
12: Miss Cass. Two men, they walked in and they grabbed us both and well, they bound me up. I, I couldn't move.
10: Uh, what did they use to kill Gerard?
12: The metal stool. They hit him over the head because he struggled so.
10: Yes, yes, go on.
12: The blood rushed from his veins. It was horrible. And the diamonds? He must have been dead or nearly dead. They, they opened his jacket. It was his new double-breasted blue suit and, I took the package from his inner pocket.
10: And uh, you phoned me right away?
12: Well, as soon as I could wriggle over to the desk and get the receiver off the hook.
10: Let's have a look at the body.
12: Oh, it's horrible. Just horrible. Mm.
10: Miss Cass, I thought you said they unbuttoned his jacket.
12: Well, they they did. Then they they buttoned it before they left.
10: Oh, I see. And it was a man and a woman?
12: No, two men. Their, Their faces were covered, but I know they were men.
10: All right, Cass, come across. Where did you hide the diamonds? What are you talking about? Just this, Miss Cass. I arrest you for the murder of Joseph Gerard where did Adele cat slip up in her murder and robbery there are two clues do you know them in a moment Jim Martin and Lieutenant Garfield will tell us but first Colonel Garfield.
12: You're crazy. Why, why, Mr. Martin himself heard me on the phone.
10: That was your first mistake, Miss Cass. If you were really bound hand and foot, you couldn't have dialed the Martin Protective Service. Your second error, Miss Cass, was insisting that two men committed the murder. Right, Martin? That's absolutely right. You see, Miss Cass, a man buttons a coat or jacket left side over right. A woman buttons it right over left. Joe Gerard's jacket was buttoned by a woman, right over left. And that woman, Miss Cass, was you.
0: That doesn't make any sense.
1: No, five-minute mysteries are really stupid.
0: No, no, you know why that's stupid, though? Because you can only button something the way it's been buttoned. It's not like you can button it either way. Only a woman! (laughs) It doesn't make sense. I mean, if if it's a woman's shirt... and if it's a man's shirt, it's buttoned the other way.
1: They're they're stupid. Which is, of
0: course, so they can undress each other. But, you know. are
1: being arrested for murder.
0: That doesn't even make sense. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's Uh, impossible. Only a woman could have buttoned it.
2: What?
0: (laughs) No. No. It's hey, not how any of this works. It's not how any of this works.
1: We just watched the episode where Michael bought a women's suit, and, you know, the buttons were on the wrong side, and he was able to yeah. function just fine. Yeah. So He didn't
0: even realize it.
1: Yep. <laughs> so. Anyway, welcome back to Hour anyway. 2 of It Came From Cleveland, uh, where... Uh, where we've discovered something, that 5-Minute Mysteries are dumb.
0: 5-Minute Mysteries don't need any factual things. Just like the police. They just like, You are here and you are guilty. Let's go. Oh, what? Yep, you knew the person that got killed. Let's go. That's how real police do their work they don't worry about anything like facts or evidence or CSI or fingerprints. You're here. You're guilty. I gotta go to dinner. Am I right? Am I wrong? Yeah.
1: yeah. Alright. Uh, so anyway. Uh... Anyway. So anyway. Wel- welcome back uh, to... Uh... ...to the program. And, program. Uh, of course, we have... Um, ...our two... two uh, ...back-to-back... Uh, ...episodes of... ...Jerry of the Circus and... ...our other Jerry, Jerry Hall... ...from Magic Island. Yeah. So, not to be confused with Jerry Hall... ...who is mar- married to... ...Rupert Murdoch now. Yeah. So. Jerry
0: Hall, the original... ...inspiration... For angel perfume that did some really beautiful ad campaigns and then her daughter did a truly beautiful ad campaign for angel perfume also one of my favorites wow yep you didn't know
1: now you know i didn't know so now you, you know go. there's some <laughs> there's a perfume uh bottle. Ah, anyway i'm a big
0: fan of perfume i don't know if you guys know this but it's true i, I do I like colognes.
1: Yes. So, uh, and, uh, so, yeah, so last time on Jerry of the Circus, uh, there was a fella of the name John Bradley, who was sick. That was our last episode. John Bradley is ill. Um, and now, uh, that, that storyline is being continued. I'm not sure to what effect, but we shall see. Gosh, it's hard to remember a week ago what these stories were all about. But uh, but again, I think we're getting into Jerry learning more and more thi- jobs at the circus. And just so everybody knows, just to save a few minutes, I've chopped off entirely the intro music for Jerry of the circus. Uh, but the outro Thank you. music is still I appreciate still that, so, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so it was it just... fun, but
0: was it fun? Was it fun?
1: No. No, no it, was, it uh... wasn't. It was more fun than that five-minute mystery. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. But, yeah. Oh, universe,
0: Ken, you're a funny.
1: What happens on... Uh, Time for go know, to bed. You never know. Uh, you never
0: know.
1: So, anyway, uh, Jerry the Circus, are you ready?
0: I'm ready.
13: Now for oh, wait, Jerry wait, of the stop. Circus.
1: What?
0: It's a kiddo drop. The oh, kiddo the kiddo, kiddo drop. Here.
1: The kiddo drop. Yes, yes, oh. yes. Oh, this is coloring. He has
0: had enough of the mangaboos.
1: <laughs> oh, 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 I can't wait. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great.
0: Oh it's my god.
1: Mangabo slingshot. Oh.
0: Yeah, he's got a mangabo um.
1: And his and his babies are killing. What is that bull. called?
0: Yeah. You knew those babies would be good.
1: <laughs> you knew
0: those babies would do what they wanted to do.
1: His rainbow babies. So
0: oh my god, they're so cute. Poof! Babies. But the mangaboo's—they're um, what is that called? A uh, not a yo-yo? A
1: slingshot.
0: Yeah, they're making a slingshot. That's the word. You said it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh my god! It's so cute. I love Keep them.
1: Those suckers! Rapid fire. God.
0: Dang so. it! They're adorable.
1: All right. Ooh. Oh, I can't wait to color that. That's gonna be a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> oh, <excuse laughs> me. i'm sorry okay I, back I, to I, our regular regularly scheduled program go.
1: here we go Jer- and now jerry of the
9: circus
5: <laughs> now for jerry of the circus
11: say bump
5: oh, yes
9: jerry
11: what's the matter with mr bradley oh,
9: i don't know exactly jerry but from all indications i'd say he had a pretty weak ticker a weak ticker what's that oh <laughs> i mean a weak heart guess he's got it pretty bad too He's been having those fainting spells for some time now.
11: Golly, I don't see how he went on for the finale this afternoon. He was sure shaken. Yep, he was pretty
9: weak, all right. I looked look for him to collapse at any time during the walk-around. That's why I work closer to him than I usually do.
11: Why does he work if he's so sick?
9: Well, you know, I've asked him that very question, Jerry. He just says that he has to keep working because he needs the money. I think it's just bulldog determination and willpower that keeps Johnny Bradley on his feet at all.
11: Ready for eggs now?
9: Yep. Hand me that soap, then. Let's put Rags in his bathtub.
11: Here you are. Come on, Rags. In the water you go.
9: <laughs> well, you kind of like a bath, don't you, Rags? He sure does.
11: I never saw a dog that liked water as much as Rags does, especially on a nice warm day when the sun's out.
9: Well, it sure is a nice sunny day today. you will get dry in no time. Now, here, come on, boy. (laughs) Give me your paw, Rags. That's a boy. His (laughs) paws
11: sure get plenty dirty, don't they? Well,
9: stands to reason, Jerry. Can't keep clean paws running around in this backyard all day, (laughs) can you, boy? (laughs)
11: You know, boss, I think Rags likes the circus. He's never been so frisky and full of pets.
9: Why, of course he does. He's proud of himself. Why, just a short while back, he was just another dog. And all of a sudden, he joins out with the circus and becomes a star of the show. <laughs> There's plenty of reason for him to be frisky. Not a star, Bump. Why, sure he's a star. Now, you just compare the applause he gets to some of the other acts. Uh, don't you worry. He gets his uh, recognition and, and laughs too.
11: No, we're talking about you, don't you, fella? Yeah, huh? uh, you
9: think he doesn't? And <laughs> some people say dogs haven't got brains. They have, so. Well, I'm inclined to think they have. If it isn't brains that teaches them duty and courage and loyalty and obedience, well, then it's something awful close to brains. Yeah, hey, uh, Rags boy. Yeah, I guess you're pretty clean now. Oh, hand me that pail of clear water, there, Jerry. Here
11: you
9: are, boss. That's a boy. Now hold your breath, Rags. I'm going to rinse off. One, two. Three
11: <laughs> Golly, you got him clean. He just shines. Yep.
9: That's a pretty good wash and polish job, I'd
11: say. Here's the towel. Yeah, all right. Out you go, Rags. You can wipe him real hard with that towel bump. He likes it. Oh,
9: he does, huh? Well, Rags, I guess I'll have to give you a real good rub down then.
11: When he thinks he's dry enough, he'll grab for the towel and hang on.
9: Yeah, well, not for this towel, he won't. <laughs> it's one of my best, and I don't want our dog to put his monogram in it with his teeth. Hey, Bobs, look who's coming. Oh, well, hello, Patsy. Uh, You just missed it. We just ran rags through the laundry. (laughs) Hello,
11: you two.
14: Say, it's a wonder you wouldn't let a person know when a big event like this is coming. On. Here,
9: here, here, you wreck. Here, here, let go of that towel. You've had enough drying off, say so, but don't you go tearing up that good
11: towel. Here, see, I, I told you he'd grab at it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that dog run. It's <laughs> 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 full of bad bad that bad. Here, 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 boy, come on. <laughs> Let's put your collar on. No, no. Come here now, still. <laughs> Let's see, where's my keys? Here
14: they are. My, what a cute little lock. I never noticed that on his collar.
9: Well, it's not a very big lock to notice. I guess it's the smallest lock I've ever seen.
11: There you are, Rags. You look pretty nice, I'd say. Oh, so You oh. must be a businessman to have all those keys, Jerry. What are they all for? Well, there's only three of them besides the keys to the little lock. Well, what three things do you lock up? Now, don't tell me one of them is your car key. uh uh-uh. <laughs> This was Dad's key ring, and, and I put the key to Rags' collar on it.
9: Oh, so that's it. Let's
11: huh? see them, Jerry. Here you are. Here this one looks like a trunk key. It is. That's a key for Dad's trunk. Hmm,
9: where is the trunk, Jerry?
11: Back at the room and house we lived at. There was nothing in it but some old clothes and things of Dad's. And this one looks like a plain old door key. Uh-huh. That's a key that was for the door of our room. Say, Bumps.
9: Uh Yes, Patsy?
11: This little key
14: here. Doesn't this look like a key to a safety deposit box? Here, look at it.
9: Well, I say, it does at that. Got a little number on it. Uh, 7C4321.
11: What's a safety deposit box?
9: Well, it's a box you rent in a bank, you know, in a big vault.
14: People rent them to put valuable things in for safekeeping. Yeah,
9: lots of folks keep important papers and even jewelry in them.
14: Jerry, didn't your father ever tell you that he had a safety deposit
11: box? No, I don't
9: think he ever did. Well, now, it might be worthwhile looking into this.
11: What do you think might be in the box? That's hard to say, Jerry. I... But I think you should know about it.
9: Uh, But how'd you go about finding out what bank the key's from? There's no name on it. It might be from a bank in any one of a hundred cities.
11: I know for sure Dad didn't ever go to a bank in Midvale.
9: I see. Well, how about when you're out west?
11: I, I don't remember. I've got it. We'll take this key
14: down to the bank here in town tomorrow and ask someone about it.
9: Yeah, yeah, you could do that, all right.
14: Tomorrow's payday.
11: I usually get a cashier's check to send home to Mother. When I'm at the bank in the morning, I'll inquire about it. And if we find out what bank the safety deposit box is in... Will they let me open it? Oh, guess
9: so, Jerry. You're your dad's only son. <laughs> I'd like to know who has a better right to see what's in that box. You
14: can come with me, Jerry. Right after Bennett pays us off. Here's your keys. Oh, I dropped
11: them. Uh, sorry. Oh, uh, oh, here, 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 here Rags,
9: boy. No, oh, drop those keys. Oh, he's only playing with them. He likes to hear them no. rattle. You stay right here with those keys, Rags.
11: Oh, I
14: wonder what's in that
11: box.
9: Well, maybe money or maybe some important papers.
11: Well, whatever it
14: is, you should know about it, Jerry. Just have to find out what bank that
9: box is in. Yeah, but first you'll have to find out what city the bank is in. Looks like a big job ahead. Well, hello there. It's Jason. Hello, Jason. Well, howdy, Jason. How's Trick? Fine if you're talking about tricks with my cats. I just put Daisy through her stunts and she's working great again.
11: Is she all well again,
9: Jason? You bet she is. Just as good as new and anxious to work. I'll bet she does a grand performance tonight.
11: (laughs) It seems to me you
9: have your hands full with those wild animals of yours. They're always doing something to them. If you're not feeding them, you're doctoring them. and If you're not doctoring them, you're putting them through new tricks. Well, that's the way it goes when you've got a large family of animals to take care of. (laughs) And I thought I had a lot to do taking care of my props, keeping my partner Rags in good shape. By the way, where is Rags?
11: There he is, over on the steps to our wagon. He's playing with some keys. Say, who's getting hungry besides me?
9: Well, sure, I guess I could do with a bit of food. (laughs) About time that flag was going up at that, isn't it?
11: Flag going up? What are you talking about, Bumps? (laughs) Don't you know about that, Jerry?
9: Shame on you, Bumps. You should have told, explained that to Jerry a long time ago. That's important.
11: What's important?
9: Oh, sure, I'm sorry, Jerry. Just slipped my mind, I guess. Now, here you've been with the circus all this time, you don't know about the flag.
11: Well,
14: tell him now, Bumps.
9: Well, did you ever notice that little white flag outside the mess tent, Jerry? Yeah. But you've never noticed that it goes up just before mealtime. Well, you see, Jerry, there's no bell ringing or bugle blowing when it's mealtime around the circus. They just raise that little flag on the mess tent, and then we know that food's being served.
11: I was wondering about that flag. Well, as
9: long as the flag is flying, the service goes on but when the flag comes down, well, the service is open. <laughs> Pretty important thing to let slip, huh, Jerry?
11: Collie, I'll say. Well, you you haven't missed any meal so far, though, have you? No, I, I always go over with bumps. But I'm sure glad to know about the flag. Now when I see it go up, and if I'm hungry, I won't wait for bumps. I'll go right over and eat. <laughs> You see, that's what you get, bumps.
9: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the flag should be going up any minute now. Suppose we all walk over toward the mess tent. All right, Jason, come on, Jerry.
11: Let's stop by the lines on the way. I want to see how frisky Daisy is. My arm, lady? Thank you, sir. I bet I know what we're going to have for dinner, Bons. Uh,
9: uh, what?
11: Roast beef, brown potatoes, and string beans.
9: Sure, hey, you've got a good nose on you. I can't smell food that far away.
11: I can't either. W-
9: oh, no? And how'd you know what's on the bill affair?
11: Well, I went by the cook tent this morning, and I saw him fixing the things for dinner. Leave it to Jerry.
9: <laughs> That's good business, Jerry, getting acquainted with the cooks. You'll never go hungry.
11: There's Daisy. Sally, look at her go round and round
9: in her cage. Yeah, she sure looks good, I oh, bet she does. Come on over here, Jerry. See that spot on her shoulder?
11: It's all well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Jason's a good line, Doctor, all right.
9: Well, there really isn't much to doctoring these cats. They have a lot of remedies of their own that work pretty well.
11: You put medicine on Daisy, though.
9: Well, that's because she couldn't get to that sore spot herself. I just helped her along a little.
11: There it goes. Yep, the flag's
9: up. Well, what's keeping us back? Let's eat.
11: Let's run. It's good for the appetite. Beat you today, Patsy. (laughs) Sure, you
9: think you will. (laughs) That's too much for me. You youngsters better go ahead. Oh, come on, bums. (laughs) I'm coming. Slow but sure. Jerry beat Patsy that time. He went into that mess tent five or six feet ahead of (laughs) her. That boy's a runner. Any time he can beat Patsy. Yeah, she's pretty fast, all right. Uh, well, here we are.
11: Did you see Jerry me that time? I think you'll let me, Patsy. Well, I did not. My reputation is at stake. I uh, not dare fall down on the job. Well, yeah,
9: you were right, Jerry. Here comes the roast beef. And the string beans and the brown potatoes, too. Here you are, Patsy. Uh, Ladies first.
11: Oh, thank you. Jerry? Mm, boy, this looks good.
9: Mm, pass the potatoes, Bumps. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot. Here you are.
11: It sure must take a lot of food to feed the whole circuit.
9: Yep, it does, Jerry.
11: Now, take
9: today, for instance, when we have beef. Do you know it takes the best part of six whole cows to fill the bill? It does. Yeah, you bet, and nothing is wasted either. We get the choice cuts, and the tougher parts go to the kennels.
11: Golly, I didn't know
9: that. Yep, and then the necks and the bones and the gristle, well, they go to the menagerie.
11: That huh,
9: yep. thing was wasted that way, huh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, oh there's Johnny Bradley, Jerry. He must be feeling better.
14: Say, uh, Jason, uh, grab that pitcher of milk and pour me some, please. He's coming up.
9: Milk, Jerry? Yeah, thanks. I bet you didn't know that some of the workmen eat as much as one whole loaf of bread a meal. They do? Yes, sir. And I've seen them get away with two steaks for breakfast after setting up the tops.
11: And how would you like to pay for all that food, Jerry? Golly, it, it sure must cost a lot to feed a circus. Well,
9: it costs a lot more at the start of the season than it does now.
11: Oh, why is that?
9: Well, after a slim winter, most of the stakers and razorbacks are pretty much underweight. So then they hit the road again and work as hard and then take on more food.
11: Then after a while, they get caught up, huh?
9: That's it, Jerry.
11: Say, could I please have another piece of that beef?
9: (laughs) Sure, Patsy. Here you are.
11: Thank you. Jiminy Willikens. What's
9: up, Jerry?
11: I left rags on the wagon steps. Don't you always leave them there? He won't run away. Yeah, but my keys, he, he was playing with them. Excuse
9: me. <laughs> Look at that boy run. Hey, I hope that dog hasn't gone off of those keys. It'd oh, be awful. What keys? Oh, a Patsy discovered a safety deposit box key on Jerry's key ring.
14: It belonged to his father.
9: Hmm.
14: I was going to take the key over to a bank with me tomorrow and see what could be done about finding out what bank the box is in. Oh, I do hope Braggs hasn't lost it.
9: You know, there might be something of importance to Jerry in that safety deposit box. Something that he should know about. Well, he shouldn't let a valuable key like that lay around where rags can play with it. No, I guess he just forgot about it. But, golly, I, I hope it isn't lost. <laughs>
0: Them. I always let the cat play with my keys. No, no I don't. I hang the keys on a hook and I don't lose them.
1: Cheaper's Yes.
0: When I was a young lady, I read an article about how many hours a day people spend looking for their lost keys. And I figured, you know, I'm just going to put those on a hook and call it a day. I'm going to get that time back in my life. And I did. And it made me happy. Or you could let the dog play with your keys. Whatever, you know.
1: Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. When will he ever learn? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this is pretty fun. Uh, you know, uh, they, we, we learned about what the flag meant for dinner.
0: The flag means you can eat, right? Yep.
1: That's nice. Sure does.
0: Sure is.
1: And they're having beef and potatoes. How many cows does it take what... to feed the circus? A lot. Six whole cows, Jerry. So yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of beef. A lot of beef for the circus. A lot circus. of beef. I'm um, having uh, fun uh, coloring the uh, the uh, end of the mangaboos. <laughs>
0: so great.
1: Yeah uh but no so ooh, ooh, I had to undo uh but no yeah that that was uh that was a little fun um i guess we should get back to it and find out i mean so he lost his keys and then they were like oh well, that guy who was sick last time he's feeling better but okay. i don't know maybe he's a drunk i don't know who knows what's going on well let, let's There's get a back lot of into drunks it. in the circus i yeah, know yeah definitely
0: When Uh, I was involved in the circus, I was drunk all the time. mm
1: Mm-hmm. I remember that. Just... So... (laughs) I remember that. Anyway, here we go. Next, Jerry of the Circus. All right. Now
5: for Jerry of the Circus. (laughs) Morning, Whitey. Yeah,
11: morning, Jerry. What's the first thing to do today?
13: Oh, there's not a lot to do. Uh, Sit down in this bale here and visit us, pal, while I fix up this harness. That's the boy.
11: I didn't know you had to take care of the harness, too.
13: Well, the don't is a rule, Jerry, but my blacksmith's not feeling so good, so I told him to take a day or two off. He's pretty well caught up with his work. There's just a little shoeing to be done. Today? Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a little while. What do you know,
5: Jerry?
11: I know I had an awful scare last night.
5: A scare?
11: Yeah. I thought I lost my keys, but Rags had them, and, and he buried them under the wagon. And I was looking all over for him, and then Rags started to dig under the wagon where he always buries bones, and... And sure enough, he dug them up.
13: Well, now, that was lucky, wasn't it?
11: I'll say it was. There's one key on my key ring that's really important. Is that so? Uh-huh. It's a key to a safety deposit box my father had. Patsy's going to help me find out where it is.
13: And don't you know what banks the box was rented in?
11: No, that that's what we have to find out. Mm,
13: sounds like a pretty big order to me, Jerry, but maybe Patsy knows what she's doing. Oh, there now. That's fixed.
11: You going to do some horseshoeing now?
13: Yep. Uh, Get Dolly, that roan mare there, and bring her out.
11: Okay, Whitey. Is this her? Yeah. Nice, Dolly. Oh, girl. Come on, Dolly. Come on. Gotta get some new shoes, Dolly. Come on, girl. Here we come, Whitey.
13: Uh, That's the boy, Jerry. Uh, Bring her right over here. Oh, Dolly. Oh, girl. Mm. Uh, Put a little more heat on this shoe.
11: Isn't she going to get a whole new set of shoes?
13: No. Um, well, one of the hustlers said she had a broken shoe back here. Yes, guess that's all she needs. Yeah, we'll get that to be attended to, all right.
11: Going to fix it?
13: No, I'm going to put a new shoe on. There's one in the fire here.
11: Sure is fun to watch a shoe, a horse. Never see it done before, Jerry? Oh, sure, lots of times, but but I never get tired of watching. <laughs>
13: Whoa, whoa, Dolly. Whoa, girl.
11: Just right, isn't it?
13: Yep. Ah, there we are, Dolly. All set.
11: Shall I take her back now?
13: Yeah, put her back in her place, Jerry.
11: Come on, Dolly. Come on.
13: Better pay a visit to Splinterwiley down there, Jerry. I think that coal kind of looks forward to your coming in here every morning.
11: Okay. Here, Dolly. Come on now, come on now, nice girl, that's the girl, there you are, all fixed up with a nice new shoe, hello Splendor, here's my pal, uh, say Whitey, you think maybe Splendor will be a jumper?
13: Uh, if he takes after us more he will, yes, sir.
11: Remember Whitey, you said I could try and teach Splendor a few tricks.
13: Mm, it's okay with me Jerry, I don't guess you'll spoil him, you seem to understand horses pretty well. Will you help me? Sure thing. Get me someday when I'm not busy and we'll put this little fella through his paces all right.
11: Oh, you like that, (laughs) huh, (laughs) Splendor?
13: Seems like he knows what we're talking about. Ah, He'll be a high school horse if there ever was one.
11: What's a high school horse, Whitey?
13: Oh, a high school horse is a highly trained one. One that can do all sorts of tricks and take commands and not get excited out under the big top with a lot of people around.
11: It means he's educated, huh? Yeah. Those high school horses are certainly clever at dancing and fancy steps.
13: Yeah, but don't forget those broadback ring horses are pretty smart, too.
11: Why is it most of them are white?
13: Well, there's several reasons for that. In the first place, they can be seen from a greater distance when they're working in the show.
11: That's a good reason. What else?
13: Well, uh... Well, when they take the shedding, uh, the white hair doesn't show on the white costumes most of the riders wear. When a dark horse starts shedding, they can sure mess up a costume pretty fast.
11: Golly, I never thought of that.
13: And then, too, the, the rosin doesn't show so much on a white horse.
11: Do you put rosin on them?
13: Why, sure, Jerry. Didn't you know that?
11: Uh-uh. Uh, what do you do that for?
13: So the riders won't slip off when the horses are galloping around the ring. The rosin makes good footing on their backs. You see, Jerry, the back of a horse is pretty slippery to be jumping around on.
11: i bet that's why you call them
13: Yeah, <laughs> You're right that time. All the horses using the rings are called Rosenbacks for that very reason.
11: Maybe someday I'll learn all there is about a circus. But there sure is a lot to know.
13: <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, there's a lot to it, all right. <laughs> Folks that just go into the big top to see the show never stop to realize how much work and care it takes to put the whole thing complete. Oh, it's a great big business, Jerry.
11: Yoo-hoo! Anybody in there?
13: It's Patsy, Whitey. Uh, uh, come on in, Patsy. We're back here with Splendor.
11: I think she wants me to go to the bank with her now, Whitey.
13: Well, okay, you can go. Uh, be sure you do your watering before the matinee, though. Can't let any of these horses go thirsty.
11: I'll water them as soon as I get back. Morning, Whitey. You can spare your helper for a short while?
13: Uh, sure thing, Patsy. Take him away with you. But be sure you bring him back. This department wouldn't function right without Jerry.
11: <laughs> Bye, Splendor. You and that coat are getting along fine, Jerry. We sure are. So long, Whitey. See you in about an hour. Okay, Jerry. You know, Patsy, I- I'm going to teach Splendor some tricks. You are? Uh-huh. Mr. Randall and Whitey said I could. Mm, that's fine, Jerry. <laughs> uh, sometimes I wonder just what you are going to turn out to be around this circus. Sometimes I wonder, too. It's also interesting. It's hard for me to make up my mind what I want to be. Hmm, looks like we're not too early, Jerry. The pay window over at the office wagon is open. I guess Jim Bennett's paying off. There's no one in line there. Maybe we're the first ones. Hey, there's Jim in the window now. Morning, Jim. Morning, Patsy and Jerry. Are you paying off yet?
15: It's right here for you. Come and get it. Is my pay ready, too? Sure is, Jerry. Now, you two are the first ones to put your hands out today. Hey, what's the matter? Afraid there wouldn't be enough money to go around?
14: <laughs> oh, no. We're not worried about that. But Jerry and I are going over to that bank across the street. We've got big business
15: on. Well, fine. Let's see now. Here you are, Patsy. There. That's your well-earned money. Thank you, Jim. And now for Jerry. There you are, son. Thanks. And don't forget, part of that money belongs to Rags. He worked for it, so I guess you'd better give it to him.
11: Oh, yeah? If I gave it to him, he'd bury it under the wagon. (laughs) Say, I see the bandages off the head, Jim. They bump all heel now?
15: Good as new, Patsy. Guess I've got an iron head, all right. (laughs) Say, Jerry... Heard from your Uncle Dan
11: lately? Not yet, but I guess he'll be writing to me soon.
15: Well, when you answer his letter, send him my regards, will you? And you might tell him all is forgiven.
11: I sure will. I feel sorry for Mr. Dugan.
14: He surely went through a lot with Lorenz all those years. Nah, that was a
15: bad deal, all right.
11: But I guess he's lucky to be alive at all after that fall off the train. He'll be out of the hospital soon and well and strong again. Yes. But he'll never be able to get those years back that were lost to him when his memory went bad. Mr. Randall is going to give him some kind of a job with the circus when he gets well. Well,
15: that'll be some help. I'd like to see him get back in his old business of hunting wild game.
14: Maybe he'll do that later, Jim.
15: Yeah, you never can tell.
14: Well, I guess we'd better hurry over to the bank, Jerry. You ready? Uh huh. Goodbye, Jim, and thanks.
15: Okay, Patsy. Goodbye. Goodbye.
16: you?
14: Why, yes, sir. I'm with the circus, and this is Jerry Dugan, also with our show.
16: How do you do, young man? I'm glad to know you, young lady. My name is Ross. I'm the cashier. I'm mighty happy to be of assistance to you.
14: Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to solve this problem or not, Mr. Ross. Problem? Yes, sir. Jerry and I would like to check on a safe deposit box key.
16: Our key from one of our boxes?
14: No, that's just it. We don't know what bank the key is from.
16: Well, that's a problem, all right. Have you got the key with you?
11: Yes, let Mr. Rossi the key, Jerry. Okay. Let's see now. Uh, here it is. Uh, that little one there. It is the safety deposit box key, isn't it?
16: Yes, that's what it is, all right. But there are no markings on it other than this number. 7C4321. Uh, your key, son?
11: Yes, sir. It was my father's. His father isn't living.
16: Oh, I see. And you'd like to find out where this box is located?
11: Yes, sir. We thought there may be something in it that Jerry should know about.
16: Didn't your father ever tell you about the box he'd rented in some bank?
11: No, he didn't. I didn't even know it was a key for a safe deposit box until Patsy saw it and told me about it.
16: Well, now, looks like there'll have to be a little work done on this, because this key and ours aren't at all alike. Must be made by a different lock company.
11: Isn't there any way we can find out?
16: Yes, there is. We'll do all we can.
11: I think Jerry should know what's in that box, don't you, Mr. Ross?
16: By all means. The very fact that his father kept the safety deposit box proves there must be something of value in it. Uh, Do you have any other relatives, Jerry?
11: No, sir. You have your Uncle Dan. Oh, that's right. I I forgot.
16: You forgot about your uncle? (laughs) I'll bet he wouldn't like that.
14: Well, Jerry only found him last week. I guess his uncle is new to him.
16: I see. Uh, No other relatives? No, sir. Well, in that case, I think you'd be the only one that should have access to the box. It may contain something that will have a bearing on your future life, Jerry.
11: Well, I... Well, how am I ever going to find where the box is? There must be some way to trace this key, Mr. Ross.
16: I have a suggestion to make. I don't know for sure that it will work, but we can try. What's that? This bank belongs to a clearinghouse association, and it might be that if we sent the key into their headquarters, well, there's a slight chance that one of the banks that belongs to the association might be using the same type of key in their safety deposit vaults.
11: Well, how will that help?
16: Well, in that way, we could find out just what lock and save company made the key.
14: Well, then we could write to them and try to uh, trace it further.
16: That's it, exactly.
14: Well, will you send the key into the association for us? I'd be
16: very happy to.
14: Thank you, Mr. Ross. You're very kind. And now I'd like to get a
11: cashier's check. Fine.
16: I'll get a blank.
11: Do you think you'll be able to find out where the box is, Patsy? I don't know, Jerry, but I do hope so. There may be something in that
14: box that's awfully important to you. (laughs) you.
0: What could be in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? It could be money. It could be jewels.
1: It could be. It could could be be
0: the skull of your enemies. It
1: could be the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. It
0: could be... What could it be? What's in the box? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'll find that gift.
0: What's in the box? Yeah. I think we're going to be going for that for a while So why go. not
1: But uh Yeah so Spoiler it's your wife's head Um <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler It's What's your father's Killer's head yeah.
0: What's in the box?
1: So yeah, so uh, there we go. We're, we're I guess we're off of that guy being sick now. Yeah, we're over we're it. Just like oh, he's got a bad ticker. I don't know if they're gonna go back to that or not. I don't know. It seems like they're throwing things at the wall and then they're changing course. Like the, I guess it was just a quick dumb little cliffhanger that oh no, Rags was playing with the keys, and then they resolved that instantly and said oh he just buried him under the shed. Yeah. Uh go to the trailer or whatever.
0: And then they found him.
1: Yeah. and it, you know, so that happened all happened off off, off screen.
0: <laughs> oh, rags, you're not smart.
1: So, yeah, um I don't know. It seems like they're just, you know, they they're the the first story arc, story arc seemed a little more succinct the one with uh the that they referenced in here the the, you know his uncle getting thrown from the train and then i put that awful gif of a guy jumping off a train and hurting himself (laughs) um so uh but yeah and thank you once again foxfire for the wonderful kiddo art uh i did put the oh my gosh the colored tile version in there to use for our show art so it's very fun. Like to color, do multiple colored babies, and then dull brown for the mangaboos because they're dull and you're brown and your vegetables. So, uh, but I did look up the mangaboos, and that's kind of the color they used in the book for for what they look like. They brown? just kind of look like, yeah, little brown roots. So, um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So so that was fun. We, anyway, you know, Jerry the Circus, and now we're. Uh, we're moving along uh away from the 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 wonders of the circus to a magical island with our other friend Jerry Jerry Hall. you ready to uh get into the no frills uh action of magic Island
0: I'm ready. I'm ready to go
1: all right let's find out last time they ran into a weird bank of fog and then there was a there was a weird wind and a weird fog all kinds of strange weather phenomena but it turned out to be some kind of barrier, some kind of magic barrier for Magic Island. And uh, this one, uh, Tex Bradford prepares his stratoscope.
8: <laughs>
1: A stratoscope. So, anyway. That means he's straight. I guess. He's scoping out.
0: A straight shooter! Nineteen thirty eight, that meant you were a straight shooter. Oh
1: yeah, this is nineteen thirty six, and Jerry for the circus is nineteen thirty seven, so we're we're rolling old school. That
0: was two years before my father uh, was born. So he wasn't he was barely a twinkle in his father's eyes.
1: Yes, so uh anyway, alright, here we go, the Magic Island in nineteen thirty six, episode five. After
5: her baby daughter was lost in a shipwreck fourteen years ago. Mrs. Patricia Gregory started searching the world over in the hope that her little girl might still be alive. Now Mrs. Gregory is again in the South Seas, and with her on her private yacht are Captain Tex Bradford and Jerry Hall. Jerry was a young radio operator in Los Angeles who received the first mysterious message about an old sailor having seen the magic island and a little white girl on it. The yacht is lying now completely becalmed near a strange bank of fog. I tell you, you've got to believe me.
14: You've got to believe me. Don't get so excited, Jerry. We can hear you without your shouting like that.
5: Yes, take it
17: easy, kid. Oh, I'm sorry. But this is something to get excited about. You know that fog bank over there is not fog, don't you, Captain Bradford?
18: Well, it doesn't act
17: like any fog I ever saw, Jerry, but what else could it be? But, Mrs. Gregory, you still think it's fog, don't you?
14: What else can I think?
17: Well, you can think about the story that the old sailor told... And the magic island, that fog, well, or whatever it is out there, is just where the old man said we'd find the island, isn't it? Right to the inch, boy. And this yacht was up against it, in it, but we didn't get wet or cold from it. Fog is wet, isn't it? Yes. Yes, of course. And Captain Bradford's fog machine has always made a hole through every other fog he tried it on,
18: hasn't it, Tex? I've never found another fog that machine wouldn't penetrate to a point of fair visibility
17: then that stuff over there is not fog. It isn't wet, and your machine didn't even start to go through it. It looked just like a... a wall made of
14: gray stone or... or cement. Tex, you're not really convinced about this, are you?
18: I've lived a long time without seeing anything that looked like magic, as Jerry likes to call it, but... I've never seen anything like this.
17: Well, I don't know whether it's magic or not, but it's sure funny. And there's another mighty funny thing about this whole business. What else? This ocean is too smooth right around the edge of that fog. Look farther away on the sides and behind us. The water is rough enough, but here, right here near that fog bank, the water is as smooth as glass. The boat isn't even
14: rolling.
18: I noticed that, Jerry, and I don't like it.
14: Then there is something mysterious about this place. And if the island... Oh, if the island could only be here, And my little Joan alive and well on it. Well,
17: I don't know about the island. But I do know we ought to find out more about that fog stuff. Why not try sailing around it? Maybe we can see something. From the, well, from the other side. We
18: did. Uh, I mean, well, oh, what's the use? You couldn't see anything?
14: Tex, you've seen something you're keeping from Jerry and me. You do know something about that fog bank. Do you,
17: Captain Bradford?
18: Do you? Well, I didn't want to tell you. Doesn't help matters a bit. There's no use of all of us worrying about the impossible. But I do
17: know a little more about that fog bank than you two.
14: Don't treat me as if I were a child. What is it, Tex?
17: Oh, we're stuck so bad now that a little more won't scare me any worse. What did you find out, Captain?
18: Well, you and Mrs. Gregory remember that you spent a long time working over that chart while I was on deck? Yes. I mean, before I called you to come and look at the fog?
17: Why, we were talking about Joan and the Magic Island and all. I guess we did talk a long time,
14: what were you doing, Tex?
17: Well, I was on the bridge, and
18: the skipper will tell you this is the truth. Yes, come
14: on, go on.
18: well, we have sailed around that fog bank.
14: We've sailed around it.
18: Gee,
17: well, what was on the other side?
18: A fog bank
17: Oh <laughs> then it is just fog. Wait, Mrs. Gregory. go on, Captain. There's more, isn't there?
18: There's a whole lot more. From the circumference of the circle we described in rounding this... You're not muted. this thing, it must be oh, about half sorry. a mile around it. Possibly a little more. And it's perfectly round. Mm, that doesn't tell us much.
14: I want to hear it all, Tix.
18: No, I don't want to get you all worked up over it. it. May not mean a thing. But our instruments read exactly the same on all four sides of that fog. What?
17: You mean they didn't change at all as you went around?
18: That's it. And from our solar readings and my radio beam check, that reading is correct. Correct to a fraction of a second, but...
17: But what? Hurry. Hurry and tell us, or I'm going to pass out.
18: The readings we took all around this thing belong in the center of it. Everything reads to a perfect center when you're sailing around the edge of that fog.
17: Then a regular vessel, I mean one that just... just sailing through here on a regular run, would skirt around that fog without knowing they'd run off their course. I guess they would. We
18: found nothing to indicate our course had been changed. And if we weren't looking for trouble, we would have figured the same as any other navigator. That we were just passing a small fog bank and not being compelled to follow a distorted curve around it.
14: Then that means just one thing. There is something behind or in that fog. Something. And that something is... I'll bet...
17: I'll bet it's the magic island. Oh, golly, whiskers. We're here. We found it. Gee, Mrs. Gregory. Now we'll get your little girl back.
18: Not so fast, son. Even if there is an island there, what can we do about it? The yacht won't go through the fog. We tried that.
17: Then let's figure why it won't go through it. That's out of the question, isn't it? Nothing is out of the question with Tex and I to figure things out. Well, just
18: leave me out of that, Jerry. You figure this yourself. I'm stuck.
17: Well, well, if we can't sail through it, There's something funny about it. And something funny
14: about a fog means it's being done on purpose. Jerry, you mean it isn't just a natural phenomenon? That the fog is man-made, controlled?
17: How about those instruments, Captain? And the fog holding the boat just like a magnet. That's it? Magnet. Oh, giggling goldfish. Why didn't I think of that before? That fog is magnetized.
18: That's my idea, boy, but I hated to make such a wild statement.
14: Well, that sounds possible. There are a great many magnetic deposits and formations in many parts of the world. But don't you see,
17: Mrs. Gregory? We don't mean a magnetic field that just happened there. That
14: fog has been magnetized by somebody, or something. Do you think that's possible? You're not just excited and running away with yourself, Jerry.
18: Well, if he is, I'm running way ahead of him. Patricia? That fog bank is not ordinary fog. It's magnetized as surely as we're standing on this yacht looking at it. And there's probably an island hidden in it.
14: Well, but take...
18: And that's not guesswork. It's
17: a scientific probability. What else would have held our boat against that fog but a powerful magnetic force of some kind? And what else but a magnet? And a magnet with somebody running it would have turned the boat loose when it got ready.
14: Why, this... Why, it's thrilling. But it's terrible, too. What can it mean? It
17: can mean we're up against the greatest
18: piece of electrical or chemical wizardry this generation has seen. And we're going to see all of it. Where do we start, Tex? Start guessing and as if you've done pretty well so far, Jerry. Suppose you take the
17: first guess. Well, isn't it better to do something you're sure of than it is to guess?
14: What can anyone be sure of in these weird circumstances?
17: Got something definite in mind, son? Well, we can see what's inside that fog ring. If the little plane lashed to the deck, we'll fly over it.
14: Of course. Why didn't you think of that, Tex?
18: I did. But it'll take an hour to assemble the wingspread. spread. Lower to the water and get ready for a takeoff. By that time, it'll be pretty dark. I don't like to try getting the plane back on board at night, except in an emergency.
17: Golly whiskers. Here you've got a magnetized bank of artificial fog right under your nose, and a mag... magic island, and a... Well, how much do you need to make it an emergency? Well,
18: I in a matter of life and death. That island, if it is inside the fog, has been there a lot of years. And it won't run away tonight.
14: Then we can't do anything until morning? Oh, I guess not.
17: Say, I've got it. I'll swim ashore. That's it.
18: You'll do everything else, boy. You
17: can't do that, Jerry. I'll bet I can. And I bet I'll get through that fog, too. I won't wear anything that a magnet will hang on to.
18: And after you get through the fog, what then?
17: What do you mean, what then?
18: Mrs. Gregory and I are outside with the yacht. And if anything should happen to you... We couldn't get in there. Why not try shooting through the fog?
14: No, no, you you might hit... Of course, I mean, if this really is the island we're looking for, Joan might be, might be hurt.
17: Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I guess we'll have to wait till morning.
18: I've got one small idea. Let's see. Now, Skipper! Skipper! Aye? Now, will you step up forward here, please? Aye. Now, Jerry, I want you to go into our cabin. Get that long black case, the one that looks like a violin case, out of the instrument locker. Bring it here and handle it as if it were eggs. Right away, sir. I'll get it. Sir. Skipper, the swell is rolling heavier now. We can't use the motors to hold our position as I need all the power in this cable here. Will you try for a good anchorage so I can cut all the juice away from the engine room? Sound it. Well? Three. Three fathoms? Aye.
14: Can I help, Tex? I'm so nervous, but for once I seem to be helpless. I'm sorry I've always been able to think with you before, but no, I, I...
18: I understand, darling. Tex. I... uh, I didn't say anything.
14: I know you didn't, but I'm glad you said it.
18: Oh, I suppose I shouldn't have. You shouldn't,
14: and I've been waiting years to hear it.
17: Patricia, I... Here's the case, Captain Bratt. Oh, golly, Whiskers. I guess you forgot the case, didn't you?
14: I'll go back and bring it in again if you want me to. no, no, Jerry, you... You just rescued me in time. You
17: don't yell for help very loud, do you?
18: Now, Jerry, come on, uh, let's hook up the machine, break that cable... Bring the uh, shielded lead plug over here while I open the case.
17: Are we going to anchor here for the night? The skipper's paying out the stern chain. Yes.
14: Tex thinks we'd better not move till morning. And the skipper reports sounding's okay for a good anchorage. Can I
17: help with the machine? Not
18: yet, Jerry. I'm a little afraid to have anyone but myself handle it until it's set up.
14: It's sure a funny-looking thing, Mo Bob. What is it? I never saw this before either, Tex. Is that what you've been working on so secretly in the laboratory?
18: I've done nothing else for over a year, and that's perfect. What is it? Well, I haven't named it officially yet, but I think I'll call it my stratoscope.
14: Stratoscope. Well, what does that mean?
18: Well, it's a combination of strata and scope, as from stratosphere and periscope. In other words, it will do it through the air and at tremendous altitudes and distances. What the periscope will do within a very
17: limited range.
14: I think it sounds lovely, Tex, but what will it do?
17: Hmm, Left you behind that time, eh, Pat? How about you, son? I think I know what you mean. You can look away up in the air, then away over someplace, then down again. Like seeing over the horizon. Isn't that it?
18: That's it exactly, Jerry, and I know it works. I've tried it over a 300-foot building. When I was on the ground on one side, the objective was on the ground on the other side, and I saw it.
17: And now you're going to look over that fog and down onto the island. Oh, can we? Really?
18: I'm getting excited now. You see, it's a case of plotting the trajectory of the wave curve I'm sending out, figuring the density of the exact strata and the atmosphere I must refract the wave from to bring it down to earth on the desired spot. But how do you see anything with a wave? These waves will return to me with almost as great an intensity as they leave the instrument with. Then I merely catch them in a tuned wave trap. And with a light valve and converter, I project the image on this little ground glass screen here and... Pat... Pat, Jerry, I've got it. I can see it.
14: Is it the island? Is it Tex? What do you see?
1: Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's a hell of a way to no,
0: it. No, <laughs> they did not anger us.
1: They What totally, a
0: bunch of really, really rude guesses.
1: They would have made you wait at least 24 hours to hear the next one. I'm not sure the frequency of how they... Uh, broadcast mm. I think it was probably a daily show. Um,
0: that seems cruel.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a stratoscope. Whoever titled the episode, it's not a stratoscope. I mean, he said like straight stra- shooter. strato like stratosphere. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's a stratoscope.
0: Yeah. It's a stratoscope.
1: I guess we just spell it like straight. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, yeah, anyway. So we have part two. What do you see? What do you see, Jerry?
5: It is growing dark. The magnificent yacht of Mrs. Patricia Gregory rides at anchor just off a mysterious bank of fog in the South Seas. On board the yacht, Mrs. Gregory, her business manager, Tex Bradford, and their young companion, Jerry Hall, are eagerly trying an experiment. Bradford has just set up a unique piece of mechanism through which he can see over the horizon or over a building and down into the street on the other side of it. Now the machine is focused on the strange fog bank. And behind this bank lies what? Will this prove to be the magic island? What do you see, Tex?
18: Hold on, son. Don't get excited now. I think we've got something here.
14: Oh, please, Tex. May I look?
18: Why, of course, Pat. Go to it. You'll be next, Jerry.
14: I'm almost afraid to look. Fourteen years is a long time to look for something. We're almost afraid to find it then. Go on, Mrs. Gregory.
17: You'll never get Captain Bradford to tell us what he saw through that thing. Take a look for yourself. Gee whiz, if Joan is there, after you hunting for her for 14 years, you ought to be the first one to see her.
14: You're a gallant lad, Jerry. Oh, Tex, what did you see? Nothing
17: doing,
18: Pat. Here, you look. I just got the range for you. But hurry, now it's nearly dark.
14: All right. Do I put my eye here?
18: That's it. Steady does it, Pat. I'll work that sextant just a hair's breadth if you want to.
14: Right.
17: Do you see anything, Mrs.
14: Gregory?
18: I kid
17: Okay, I'm sorry.
14: I I think I see a group of people. They aren't very clear yet. No, that's better. The whole island shines as if as if it were polished stone or, or some kind of metal. Now now I see the group more clearly. Yeah? What else? Jerry. Yeah, I know, but. Oh, Tex. Jerry,
18: uh... I... She's fainted, kid. Run and get a glass of water out of my cabin. Hurry. Yes, sir. Pat. Pat, you're all right, Pat. Just take it easy for a minute. Jerry's getting you a glass of water. Pat. There. Uh, That's better, Pat. Where's that water, Jerry?
17: I'm coming. Oh, what? Tex. I... Oh, Tex, I saw... I saw... Is she all right now? Is she all right?
18: She'll be all right in a jiffy. Hand me that glass of water. Here. Where's the water? Huh? Where's the water?
17: Oh, oh, golly. I drank it myself. I'll get some more.
18: (laughs) It's a good thing you didn't need that water.
14: I'm, I'm all right. Silly of me to do that, wasn't it?
18: Nothing you could ever do would be silly to me, Pat. But just what got you so quick? You saw something?
14: Tex, I saw that group of people. They're real. And they're on an island all right. And oh, it's almost too much to believe. But I, I thought I saw a young girl with them.
18: I thought I saw the same. And for your sake, I hope we're both right.
17: Here's the glass with the water in it.
14: Thanks, Jerry. Now I feel better. That's the first time I ever felt like fainting. Yeah,
17: me too. I mean, I would have fainted if I hadn't used the first glass of water on myself. I could tell what you saw from the way you acted. May I look now?
18: Help yourself, son.
17: Boy, what a thrill this is. Now, let's see. Oh, looks kind of cloudy at first. There. There. There now, I can see better. This focus is easy enough. I got it. Gee. Gee, there's people there. People on the island right inside the fog. Whole bunches of them. But, but they're all men. they oh, no they ain't. Hey, hey, there's a girl with them. A girl, Mrs. Gregory. Yes, Jerry, I saw that too, but don't hope too much. Hope? Oh, nothing. That's your little girl. I know it is. That's Joan. She looks just like you do.
18: Now, Jerry, I made that machine, and I happen to know you can't distinguish features
17: at that distance. I don't care about her features. I'm talking about what she looks like. You
18: better let me take another look, Jerry. It's getting dark. It's pitch black in 15 minutes. We won't get any twilight. I better learn what I can about our situation before we hold up for the night.
17: All right now, Pat?
14: Quite all right.
17: I'll steady you up, Mrs. Gregory. You just hang on to my hand. I'm not nervous anymore. Thank you, Jerry. What do you see, Captain? There's a group
18: of people on the island all right, and... Well, now there's a funny one. They... they seem to be pointing something at us.
17: Bet they're gonna shoot. Let's duck. Oh. No. No, it looks
18: more like a telescope. But it's something like that, and... they know how to look through that fog. They see us all right. Some of them are waving their
17: arms and pointing at us. Well, we sure couldn't see anything through the fog good thing you had this machine for reflecting your rays against the air over the island and looking down on it.
18: Hmm, from the way they're acting, it's it's obvious they see us and see us plainly.
14: Is there any danger, Tex?
18: I think not. At least not so long as we just ride at anchor. Here, say, say something's happening.
17: What are they doing now?
18: They are not doing anything. At least not anything I can see, but the fog is. I've got it. They figured out that I'm watching them by means of rays refracted over the top of that fog. So they're closing it over the top.
14: Closing what over?
18: The island. All of it. You were right, Jerry. That fog is artificially made and perfectly controlled. Now they're covering up overhead with it. I can hardly see. I... Well, that's all for now. They put a perfect roof of fog over that whole island. And it didn't take them more than 30 seconds to do it.
17: Then they did know we were watching them. Sure enough.
14: What do you think we ought to do now, Tex?
18: Nothing. Just nothing. It's nearly dark. There's no reason to fear anything and... They can't watch us any longer.
14: I'm getting a little chilly. Probably just nerves. It's it's anything but cold this evening.
18: We'll go in the radio room and sit down and talk this thing over quietly. You're doing splendidly, Pat. I know what a strain you must be under.
17: Hmm. This would
18: be a strain for anybody.
17: I'll go ahead and open the door.
18: I'll leave this stratoscope right here for the time. You take that easy chair, Pat.
17: All right.
18: Jerry, warm up the radio.
17: Oh, boy. Do I get to use
18: it? Go ahead, son. Let me know when it's warm, and I'll give you the message.
14: Now, Tex, tell me honestly. Do you think there's a chance that my little girl is on that island?
18: After what we've seen in the last six hours, there's a chance for anything. I've never had any hope that you would find little Joan. Everyone agreed that she must have drowned in that shipwreck. And 14 years is a long time without news of her.
14: But now, Tex, now... Don't you see that there's some reason that may make those 14 years of silence possible? That island is weird. It's mysterious. It's almost what the old sailor said it was, a magic island.
18: Agreed. And for the first time, I'm willing to admit there is a chance. A mighty good chance that the little girl on the island could be Joan.
14: How can we find out and how soon?
18: We'll have to take our time. For one thing, we don't know what that island represents. Nothing in the ordinary or usual run of islands, that's sure. With all their fog machines, or whatever they use to hide the island with, and their magnetized circle to keep boats off, it might mean a lot of things. And they're most likely all bad.
17: I've got the set ready, Captain. What's the
18: call? Call Johnson at J-12C, as you did before. (laughs) Sign your name in the yacht call, J-24Y.
17: Okay. J-12C. J-12C. Jerry Hall on J-24Y to J-12C. Hello, J-12. Hello, J-12. Now hold it, Jerry. He's got an automatic recording pickup
18: there. And even if he's out of the room, he'll get a sustained curve on his frequency disturbance graph when he checks it.
17: You're the most mysterious folks I ever saw. You've got yachts as big as battleships, private radio stations on wavelengths nobody ever heard of, and call letters
14: like a kid's club. What's it all about? You promised not to ask that again till we were ready to tell you, Jerry. I'm sorry.
17: But you'll be sorry if I die of curiosity.
14: Nobody ever died of it yet.
17: Well, I don't feel any too good. Hello, J-24Y.
18: Hello, J-12C, Johnson. Go ahead, J-24.
17: Here he is. What'll I tell him?
18: Give him our position. Make the story about the island brief. Ask him stand by. If we do not report all clear by tomorrow noon, he has to ask DC to rush full protection.
17: Story is for publication. He can use own judgment. Shoot it, kid. Right. Hello, J-12C. Jerry Hall for Captain Bradford on J-24-Y. Are you ready? Go ahead, Hall. Go ahead. Located island surrounded by fog camouflage. Standing by for daylight to try landing. Boat held off this evening by magnetic ring in ocean. Probably 100 yards offshore. Our position is latitude 29. What's the matter, Skipper? Danger. What
14: What kind kind of of danger?
17: Drifting. Drifting? Well, what's the
18: matter with your anchors? Dragging. Dragging the anchors? I don't hear any wind. What's going
17: on? Hurry. Do I keep sending?
18: Stay right in there, son, no matter what happens. Stay with that radio and report in full to J-12. Come on, Pat, we'll look around.
17: Uh, are you still there, J-12C? Hello, J-12. What happened? I can hear hey. you very faintly, J-24. Go ahead, all. The boat is drifting. Captain Bradford and Mrs. Gregory have gone on deck with the skipper. No wind. Calm sea. Anchored in three fathoms, but drifting. Dragging the anchors. No reason for it. Stand by for emergency flash. Got that? Hey, the lights are going out. Something's wrong.
10: Your signal is fading, J-24. Standing by for emergency call.
18: Are you getting me, J-24? Aloha. J-12C to J-24. Why? Can
17: you? Oh, the set's gone dead. And the lights are all out. The same thing that happened before. I'd better get up on deck. Oh! Golly, whiskers. That chair hurt my shins. Where's the handle on this door? Ah, There it is. Oh, boy. Hey, Tex. Where are you? Come up forward, Jerry. Where are you? I can't see a thing. Right here. You nearly bumped
18: into us. Your juice quit on you, didn't it?
14: Yeah. Same thing we had today? The skipper's working with the crew to get out a spare anchor over the stern. But we're already dragging two of them.
17: If it wasn't so dark, we might see what's happening. All we can see is a funny gray color. And you can't see much of that.
14: Tex, Jerry, I think I can smell something unusual.
17: Huh? You're right.
18: I smell a gas or a chemical of some kind.
17: I know why the sky's all gray. And I know what the smell is, too. The fog. Is that it? That's it. And we're drifting into that island. We're going through the fog, Tex. I know it. Look there. Get ahead. See
18: that faint glow?
17: It's a little lighter up there. And the fog isn't quite so thick. That fog is some kind of gas, by the smell. Doesn't seem to affect us any, though.
14: We're drifting faster, aren't we? That glow of light is rapidly getting nearer.
17: I hope we don't smash into something before we get on the beach... Or grab a pier or or a dock of some kind.
14: Why should we drift to the island? We tried for two hours to get through this fog with full speed ahead, and we couldn't move. Now we're drifting through it.
18: You don't drift and drag two anchors in three fathoms of still water with no wind and no tide.
17: We're not drifting? I'll say we're not drifting. That magnetism is working again. Only stronger this time. We're being pulled. This boat is being... Dragged to that island. Dun,
1: dun, dun. That's how they leave it. <laughs> uh, okay. There's... First
0: of all, we couldn't get in the island. Then we wanted to get on the island, and then we talked about the island, and now we're being dragged. You know what? This is a big, big weirdo. Big weirdo. <laughs> it is. This is like. This is like. We don't know what to write. We like the island. Let's go to the island. No. We can't get on the island. What? We're being dragged to there. This is weird. Yeah, we have got
1: War of the Earworms going on in the uh, chat room right yeah. now. Yeah. So I'm I'm torturing people.
0: <laughs> I don't have the sound, so I don't have to hear. Uh,
1: no, you don't um, have to. But all you have to do is look at the gifts, and then yeah, you know, it's gonna be in your. You've head. got um,
0: What is that purple dinosaur? Barney. Barney, I forgot about that. Yeah. A lot of the '90s just don't—I don't remember yeah. it.
1: But well, we're at the end.
0: We're at the end. How did nine o'clock happen so quickly, my love?
1: Uh, what? whirlwind day, you know. Uh, yeah, older, it was a whirlwind star. day. So we had to get that strip—that uh, uh, striptease VHS, or no, the the showgirls VHS mail. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Strip trees, showgirls, whatever, naked ladies. It's nine o'clock. And before at nine o'clock, it was nice and bright out, but now it's kinda dark.
1: It is a little dim. But anyway, uh, tomorrow and it came from Cleveland. Our good friend Joey Word is gonna be with his aka Cool Black oh.
2: Diddy.
1: He's gonna, I love he and the I are gonna be He's awesome. about the Predator franchise for a little while. And we're also going to be talking a lot about uh, Gene Roddenberry and Jonathan Frakes, who have birthdays around this time. That's cool. uh, And we'll have some other very notable birthdays, a couple from one of Adam's favorite movies. So we'll have a trailer to represent that. And maybe I'll even get Jonathan Frakes from Gargoyles for you, Adam. We'll see. Wow, but, uh, that's awesome! But yeah, check it out. We won't be doing Twilight Zone tomorrow because we kind of we're stretching our legs with the Gene Roddenberry stuff, so it'll be. Fun. Oh wow! But um, okay, but yeah, and uh, cool. what do you got, Suze? Well, we have a minute or so left.
0: Well, like I said, I, I was going to talk about it's getting darker. We're going into the the creepy, scary time of year, where the harvest is coming through, and and uh, you know got any scary movies
1: yeah you got any scary movies <laughs> it's the
0: time to watch the scary movies and oh yeah be afraid it'll get it'll get cooler soon and Ken will be happy because he will not be so hot he's so hot
1: and uh,
0: I will guy. be sad because I will have to get out all my cozy sweaters
1: Oh I would just be happy to wear jeans again
0: yeah so but what? I like the summer.
1: I do too. That's fun.
0: It's still August. It's still the hottest, most wonderful month of the year. Yeah. It's the happiest season of all.
1: It's been a crazy last year for us, so we're looking forward to a reset. So, (laughs) uh, onward and upward with uh, the future.
0: Excellent. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.
7: I forgot to bed.